that's that's what we're all about here man we're all about conversation and hearing ideas out and talking about those ideas even if we don't necessarily agree with them because how are we going to find the answer if we don't figure it out yeah there's only one way to figure it out and that's to have a conversation we have our first live podcast on march 20th at divine wine much fun so come on down and join us march 20th divine wine we'll be there you'll see it on our facebook so follow yep. us on facebook at salt of the streets all the good stuff welcome to the salt of the streets coming at you every week with this food for thought hope you're ready to eat with everything going on in this nation we need some information and that's why salt need to be stationed in your rotation with real talk and real topics real people real problems think we need some help to solve them and leave it up to colin and the donovan because right, that's what, what's that oh, let's get ready and just like a red white and blue phoenix rising from the ashes of political bipartisanship we are back the Salt of the Streets podcast. This is Saturday, February 22nd, 1.25 p.m., episode 79. Happy birthday tomorrow, baby. Happy birthday in the future, in the past, to Jordan Phillips. You are amazing. And welcome back, everybody, to the Salt of the Streets podcast, your one and only source for social and political commentary on all the weekly news, pop culture, and sports that you can handle. And the best part about the whole deal is all built from the ground up for people like you and me, the everyday normal person. So come down and join us as we discuss life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness and continue our endless efforts to bridge the gap between people and information. As always, we are your <laughs> hosts. I am Colin. I am Donovan. And that is never not a mouthful. Got him, though. <laughs> Coming up on this week's show, we got... Just one big old grab bag of awesomeness coming out your way. There's been so much happening in the last couple of weeks. There's some stuff that we've been meaning to get to for the last couple months. Some, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. Yeah, it's a personal we're, shit. We're just, yeah, we're just going for it today. I think, yeah. you know, this we're is gonna a very therapeutic. I mean, the podcast, at least for me, isn't is always a highly therapeutic endeavor. Very much. And yeah. This one is going to be even more so. Yeah, yeah. I, I concur. Most of my show prep over the last two weeks has just been. The daily grind that me and you kind of always hammer out. Mm -hmm. And then I come home and I'm involved in the YouTubes and the C-SPANs and reading articles. I've, I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet, but I probably by the end of the weekend, I will become a paying member of commentary magazine. Words. How much is it? Uh, I think it's for the actual hard copy edition plus the digital stuff. I think it's $29.99 a year. Um, That's a fucking really good deal. Yeah. And uh, you get 11 magazines a year. Um, they don't do one, I think, during the very Rosh first Rosh Hashanah or whatever the fuck. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not Jewish, so I, it's hard Some to follow. Some Jewy holiday. It, it, there's, they Ooh, have. Oh, he said Jewy. <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, uh, but I really like, uh, I hate to say it, but I like to read the articles because they're, they are, there's no, kind of a false assumption on who they are or what they're trying to do. I it read them a, when they're on Twitter and stuff like that. I've yeah, read some of their articles. They're really interesting, man. Sometimes yeah. I like to read the authors that aren't on the podcast. Mm -hmm. Like I'll read anything from Noah Rothman or John Pond Horace. I love Noah Rothman. Or, yeah, he's very interesting. I'm Noah a, Rothman I'm a is big my guy. spirit animal. <laughs> and I don't know that anyone's ever said that about him, but if I met him in person, I'd tell him. Like, you got to put that on my Twitter. spirit animal, dog. Like this straight up. Oh my, yeah. So like, right no, at Noah Rothman, I'm sitting down on my podcast and I have stated that you are my spirit animal. Yep. He'll be like, well, that's what kind of animal, you know? But anyways, I have a, I have a good time and they got a lot of different contributors that aren't on the show. 
And it's Noah uh, Rothman. They're really interesting. I'm here recording my podcast, Soul to the Streets, live with this man right here, Big Bird Offy. And I'm telling you, you are my spirit animal. Is <laughs> that a, a Twitter video? Yep. I don't think I've ever done Twitter videos. My wife's been trying to get me into the Snapchat, or not Snapchats, TikTok. TikTok. You ever, <laughs> you ever seen TikTok? I have. I I get about five TikTok videos a day now sent via text message from her. <laughs> and I've I think I've actually participated in one or two of her TikTok videos. But she got on there like a week and a half ago and she's blowing up. She's killing it out yeah. here. It's very strange. It is a uh it's like the the social media where nobody else like you don't want to be on any of the other social medias. It's like the anti social media. It's very strange. <laughs> There's a lot of like not negative shit on it, which is very interesting. A lot of it's just people doing weird, funny stuff. Yeah. Um, there's a whole like lip syncing portion of it that, right, right. and it, it makes for some really interesting stuff, man. I, I was watching a couple of them on her phone. She was showing me yesterday of people. Cause TikTok taking, like, bought musically, right? I, I don't believe know. This. <clears throat> I don't even know who owns TikTok. I know I it's believe, a Chinese company. I yeah, think. Yeah. I believe that's the story is that TikTok purchased another company called musically, mm-hmm. which was, essentially just the music form of TikTok where you would use a song, you know, okay. lip sync to it and stuff. That's like what Musical.ly was. I think that TikTok purchased Musical.ly. I wouldn't be surprised. They seem big enough. Good yeah. Lord. It's, I mean, it seems like a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. And I can almost see, I'm trying to build out a purpose of it so we can utilize it for the podcast. If our job was doing this, I would TikTok all day <sighs> stupid shit that Dude, we were I doing. Know. But I wish like I could just, we, we, I went to also uh, work, you know, in like a factory. Like I'd actually yeah. work on a TikTok in a factory, you know. So much, <laughs> so much. I know where you work. There is some. There is nothing but characters there, man. That place is a reality show just waiting to be filmed. Should I just start secretly TikToking people? No, uh, no, we'll get into some weird. That way, when you run for state rep, you can have all the NDAs that Mike Bloomberg has. Exactly. <laughs> I'll release three of them, though. You'll release three of them, and yeah. then that's not going to mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot the tirade I was going to jump on. I don't know, um, but before you do, if please. you want to see that Twitter video that I just took, you can see it on my Twitter at Salt of the Street or Collins at Big Bird Offie. We also have our Instagrams, and I'm at alpaca underscore donovan on instagram he's a big bird off you on that as well we have our salt of the streets instagram at salt of the streets our facebook at salt of the streets our youtube at salt of the streets all this you can find salt of streets.com also our uh intro theme song is done by upper left and i was listening to them the whole way here upper left is throwing some nasty shit right now they are fucking they're just making incredible shit and pay these fucking men Pay these fucking men. Like, I don't understand why they still have to have regular day jobs. Just pay them, you know? I don't know. Their shit's too good. I'm I'm impressed every time. That's so weird. I need to update something going on here. Noah Rothman is not coming up in my ads. Uh-oh. Fucking shadow banning. That so happens sometimes. We'll just get a nice little lovely blank old retweet there. There we go. That's all right. Uh, so, I had... The first thing I wanted to talk about today was this also, lovely story. Oh, please. Fucking should have said on the pre-show. I completely forgot. Denzel's going to be on the show yes. next time. Next episode, Denzel 2 a.m. 
will be here in house. Yeah, no, I'm really fucking jazzed. What was the episode when we had Upper Left in? That was 16. 16. What? (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. Wow. I know. (laughs) Can you comprehend? It's like, yes. I've I've spent a lot of time this week uh, contemplating the, the, the infinite nature of the universe. And that seems like that far back. Casey and Drew were on episode 11. <laughs> we just, we, did, what? Yeah. We just started. I know. That seems so weird. I know. Wow. All right. Anyway. Yeah. So Denzel 2M will be in the house. He's going to be, we're going to talk about music, obviously. We're going to get to know Denzel a little bit better as a human being. Um, he's, I think it, maybe has the best voice I've heard in ever. person. You know, like the, there's many people who have incredible voices, but the, for, the things that I have heard with my own ears, not just through like mm-hmm. music or anything like that, Denzel may have one of the best voices I've ever heard. It's- I, I like to – I don't know why I think this, right? But Because I'm not real heavy into the hip-hop and rap. So I guess I've only heard Denzel's right? voice through music, so I can't yeah. really say that. But it's still one of the best voices I ever heard. Well, when he talks, Denzel. he's very – he's got a nice, deep baritone, you know, I think, you know. Very, very soothing to listen to. Yeah. Does he still do that uh, argument thing on Facebook? You know, I haven't seen it as much lately, but I'm going to – I'm to Denzel, if you're listening to this, just be warned. I'm going to go through his Facebook and through that mm-hmm. to just gather up some shit to be like, all right, Denzel, let's hash this out. Let's see – Let's see where you're yeah, at. Let's argue for a minute. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. But I always, I always think of his voice akin to somebody like as talented as like a Chris Brown. Yeah. Minus, you know, the whole battery of Beating women. Thing. women, yeah. But, you know, yeah, Chris Brown's sure voice is fucking amazing. Always right. has been amazing. And that's the same kind of, I don't know, because it's, the genres are a little different, obviously. Yeah. Chris Brown is, is a little bit more of the poppy aspect of it. I, I don't get that feel from Denzel. He's much more R&B no. in his feel. But We forgot both of our announcements on the pre-show, so we're going to have to do some type of live video before I leave here. Just a quick one. Oh, we're about the live show and about because we can tell yes. people again now <laughs> that the episode after Denzel is going to be here. We have oh. our very first, excuse me, live podcast scheduled for March 20th, right? It's a Friday. It's the day before our usual show. If you want to show up, it's going to be at a, bar, a wine bar called Divine's Wines in Kingston. It's in downtown by the ferry, right? That is downtown Kingston, right? Is that yes. what that's called? It's about as downtown as you that's can That's like, it's about five blocks Kingston, so. Yeah, about, um, if that. It's <laughs> pretty small, yeah. So, so it's in downtown Kingston. It's down by the ferry. Divine's Wines. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be there. We're going to do a show. We're going to allow people to sit down and have some conversation with us. We're going to have a set topic list for people to come out, and so we'll have, uh, we're going to definitely talk about local gun laws that day. I think that's going to for sure so. be a topic that's there. So, you know, that's one that you can count on. Um, we will likely talk about the state of the primaries and stuff like that when we're there, you know. Um, but we will at least one week in advance, probably when Denzel's on, we'll have, mm-hmm. you know, a, a almost finalized list of topics for what we're going to talk about on that day. Um, just so things don't get too off in the weeds, you know, we yeah. don't get any crazies or anything. You know, get everyone five or ten minutes, you know, to come down and talk to us and listen and try and just – Let's get have a better understanding about what's going on. Yeah. yeah. So it'll be a really good time. We'll talk more about that, you know, as we're leading up to it. Obviously, we're going to get the event set up, start sharing it on Facebook, Divine's Wines, get it all pimped out. Uh, Ginger Ninja Morgan herself is the, the mastermind behind the Salt of the Streets live show that we did over there. She's the manager. Um, so we're going to have a whole, 
It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be crazy. There'll be swag available. Yeah. We'll have some, yep. we'll have some yep. shirts and we'll stuff down there. We'll have shirts there for purchase and then some order forms for sweatshirts and stuff that people can that they can order. And we'll all get them ordered and made up and everything. And I'll drive them to your house. I'll mail them to you for $5. I'll, any of these things I will do for you. If you're local, I will drive that to your house for no cost at all in my brand new – well, it's not brand new, but in – Brand new to me in my new Toyota Tundra. I'll drive it right to your house. <sighs> that yeah. Tundra. Drive it right to your house. I love the fact you got a nice big truck. V8, baby. We will talk about that, yeah, <sighs> later in the yeah. in the show because it was nice to get, but it was not planned. It's not what I wanted. I wasn't happy to be there purchasing it, but, you know, for a terrible situation, it turned out about as good as it could. Oh, yeah. Um, and now you got a mean-looking rig. And Dallas, Dallas Howell at fucking... What is it? It's Hazelwood, uh, Hazelwood, Hazelwood West Hills Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. It's one in Bremerton, <laughs> right? Yeah. Over there yeah, by the, a, uh, Auto West Center. It's West Hills Autoplex. Yeah. Because there's like, I think 10 different car dealerships so just many. in that plex. And so his, the one that he works at is at the very top. It is Hazelwood West Hills Chrysler mm-hmm. Jeep Dodge Ram. I just drove by there <laughs> on. Wednesday, yeah, and Thursday, they did incredible things for me, and we can just start here, I guess. Um, we can talk about our terrible weeks and give a little oh. little therapy session to start out. So, yeah. so, now we're gonna wait to buy a car uh, because I am 25 and I fucked around when I was a kid and you know racked a bunch of debt and we had some medical debt that we had to pay off and stuff that went to collections that we had to just put on a credit card just to get it all paid off so we mm-hmm. weren't dragging thousands of dollars around with us you know um well i mean not that we're not now but at least not in collections um and then you know having a baby and having to you know get a credit card to help build stuff and there's any number of things you know that led us to this point that we're like well you know we'll wait one more year and we'll save a little bit more money and we'll you know get some of this deck knocked out and then we'll buy a car and um I, you know, had that oil leak in my Land Rover for just fucking ever. The crack in the windshield was starting to get farther and farther and farther across the top because of the cold and the heat all the time, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and I got you, I got to get you hooked up with my insurance company. I got amazing glass coverage that I don't really? pay that much for. Words. Brand new um, windshield, 50 bucks. What? It's amazing. Wow. How often do you get those cracks? Dude, all the time. And a new windshield, especially on a newer vehicle? hundreds of dollars yeah if not more yeah i'll hook you up um and so you know that happened and then i the i don't know if i told you the window broke the other window broke in my car last sunday (sighs) i was taking the dog to the blue collar this dog salon to they have like a self-serve dog bath thing there so i was taking the dog in there because dog doesn't like to be in the bath she'll jump right out and it was too cold to bathe her outside so we took her in there Super good deal and everything. But on the way there, I rolled the window down for the dog, you know, and then I went to roll it back up and it made it like halfway up and bam. And then it fucking dropped to the bottom of the, oh. of the door. And I was like, well, fuck me, right? So I turned around and went home and I, you know, fucking took the door panel off and some gear, I, I don't know shit about windows, you know, but some gear fucking fell right off and was just sitting in the bottom of the door. And so I tried to lift the window up and it wouldn't stay up. And so I had to just shove it up and then I cut a stick. And wedged it, you know, kind of like a, of like a one by two and just wedged it underneath the window to keep it up. And like two days later, it slipped out and I had, so I had to fucking winch back up. And then on Thursday, 
I went to go and get lunch. I went to go get some BK Nugs. And mm. on the way to Burger King, you know, it's like a four-minute drive yeah. back to Burger King. On the way there, I was hearing like this tapping. And I was like, oh, maybe I just need to like put oil in my car. You know, if it starts to like – if it starts to get low, you can just hear it more. It gets louder. So, like, well, maybe I just need to put oil in, like in the Land Rover. And then I got there and got my food on the way back. And I was like, no, that can't be it. Like, it's never been this loud before. And if it was this loud, my car, it's had to be about to stall. You know, I was like, and there's no way that's going to be the case. And I was like, I must have just a fucking huge rock in my tire. Like, it's got to just be a fat rock, yeah. you know? So I got back to work and I got out. I was looking around and I popped a rock out of my tire. And then I was like, that no, was that it. can't be it. Yeah, that, that's too small. Like, that couldn't have been it. And so I looked around more and there was a bull that probably had a 10 or 12 millimeter head on it with a washer around it that was just straight in my fucking tire. And it wasn't flat, you know, so like the washer was helping and like it was just wedged right in there. Oh. But yeah, just a, a fat bolt. And so this is just a series. And on the way to work that morning, my check engine light started to flash for like five or six seconds and then stopped, you know, and I'm just like, I like, oh, what, what the fuck? You know, like I just, I don't, want to deal with this anymore you know and and so i just fucking and then right after i because this was really like the cherry on top of everything was that like i have a 100 percent payment history as far as credit goes i've literally never missed a payment for any type of credit service i've ever been involved in i've had some type of credit since i turned 18 it's been seven years i've never missed a single payment healthy i have pretty good credit for being 25 so i was like oh well credit karma i'm like i don't want to do this anymore you know we were talking about buying a car over the last like couple of days when the window broke i was like we might have to just do this before because i don't want to fuck with this anymore you know mm-hmm. fucking motors for car windows are stupid expensive especially oh, land rover dumb yeah so i gotta do that too so <laughs> i'm like fuck it credit karma you know and so i bust out my credit car map and my credit had dropped like 80 points because i had something that hit collections from fucking 2015 right Five years old, right? So when I called them, because I'm like, I don't understand. I don't know where this came from. Freaking the fuck out because my credit was great. And now it's dropped 80 points. We got a new card in May, June when we got those pistols, you know, when Jordan mm-hmm. had that whole deal happen with the baby and everything. We went and yeah. got the pistols. Like it was a whole. So my credit was great then because they gave me a card in about five fucking seconds and they're like, just take it here, money, you know, spend it and give us whatever. And so since then, you know, this has hit. And so I call them like, I don't understand what's happening. And so the address they read me is my mom's address that I haven't lived in since you were a kid. So I was 19 when I moved out of there. I was 19 when I left my mom's house. When I stopped living there completely, I was mm-hmm. 19 years old. Who knows what so it was? So it's been six years since I, it was from when I was, when you and I worked together and I was at the doctor constantly trying to figure out my stomach. Oh, yeah. That's what this is from. Oh, shit. It's been that long. They're sending letters to an address. My mom doesn't own that house anymore. <sighs> they were, never called me, never anything. Hits collections, 80 points. So now I don't even have good credit to go and be like, give me a car. You know, I got great yeah. credit. I got all this history, like history. Dude, you know what I'm saying? So now I have no money for a down payment. I have shit for a down payment. You know, yep. I have no fucking shit credit to try and get something zero down, you know? So Kyle, our coworker has that friend Dallas that I, I was like, I don't know what to do. And I was literally in tears on Thursday, just lost, embarrassed. I had put myself into debt, embarrassed. I didn't have money saved, embarrassed that I had let this thing go to collections, just embarrassed. And fucking welcome to hopeless, being the dude. majority of America. Um, 
And that's why I think this is helpful, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, this is not a unique story. And no. this is not a tale of like, I want people to feel sorry for me. I think this is a tale representative of, like you said, most of America, right? Yep. And it shows the grit. And I'm not trying to like talk myself up because like I said, it's not about me. This for me, when I'm thinking about it as I'm buying a truck that I didn't want to buy or I wanted to buy the truck, but that I wasn't prepared to buy. I wanted to wait to do it. You know, I'm sitting and thinking this, this is America. You know, where yeah. we are in a horrible shit fucking position, we're still going to figure it out, yep. you know? And it's – this This is where we're at, that we you, – I, I am working as hard as I can. I am a father on one income with my wife to try and support a child because it's too expensive for her to work and to try and pay for child care. doesn't make any sense. And now I'm at a point where I don't, I don't know what to do. You mm-hmm. know, to try and exist up until this point, I've had to use credit cards to get by until I made enough money – to be able to support myself and my family. And now that I do, I've racked up enough debt that I can't buy anything. You know, I have nothing oh, yeah. of value to try and prove to anything. You know, horrible. It's embarrassing. And so I had to show up and be like, listen, I can give you this much money and my car. Like, that's what I can give you to try and get a vehicle today because I don't have anything other than my payment history to show you that. Like, I'm a good creditor, you know, because yeah. you've just seen that I had someone hit collections that I didn't pay for six months because I didn't fucking know that it was there because I don't check my credit report often enough, you know, which is stupid. You shouldn't That's, have to, but. Right. Yeah. But it's a modern day American mistake that you should be checking your credit report frequently in a way that won't affect it negatively. And I wasn't doing that, you know. I'm not going to lie. Stupid. This entire conversation reminds me of an excellent TikTok post I saw last <laughs> night. <laughs> talking about every aspect of what you're describing because even though and this is i think it's very important for everybody to understand this and i want to be careful how i say this most people will experience something that you just experienced and even though you might be able to step back and say okay well i'm not alone in this everyone else happened Mm -hmm. It, it happens to a ton of people Regardless of what that particular situation is and how difficult everyone else's lives are, that problem that you're having at that time is soul crushing Yeah, because there's only one person who it affects and that's the individual at the time. And so even though you can, you can find empty solace in the fact that everybody else goes through the same shit, right? but you still have to go through it. And you still have yeah. to find your way out of the other end. And, and so my – There's no way to not be alone in that situation. And my real moral that I drew from this or at least the lesson that I came here to share from it, right, is that what you said is, is very true. You know, that no one hearing this should should try and take it as, well, you're right because you're not alone. You know, because that doesn't make it any better. It doesn't change nope. your situation, right? My point really is that – Sometimes life puts you in a position where you have to do something that makes you uncomfortable, you know, and you have to just have faith that it will be okay. You know, you have to just continue to persevere and continue to try and continue to work as hard as you can, you know, to make sure that it works. You know, at this point, I got to recommit myself back to my job, make sure that I'm working as much as I was before Dax was born, you know. I was working, you know, 50, 55 hours a week. I got to make sure, you know, I'm capable of that. And I got complacent because I was like, well, I don't need this money. We're paying out debt. We're fucking whatever. I don't need a car right now. Land Rover's fine. Yep. This is what you get, you know. This is what I've been talking about in any number of issues we talked about in the past. Complacency. Complacency kills. If you get complacent, you get fucked. Yep. That's not what this is about. That's not how 
we build a company is by being complacent. You no. know, that's not how we succeed. That's not how Americans succeed. And I don't mean America as a country. I mean, yes, but I mean, I'm talking about individuals. You know, you succeed by working as hard as you can and not lifting yourself up by your bootstraps. That's a fucking whatever, you know? That doesn't mean but, almost anything but anymore. But trying as hard as you can. Yeah. Taking the lessons and the signs that life is delivering you that you love this Land Rover. But it's time to move on. You don't want to be buying a new car, but it's time to move on because if yep. you don't, you'll be in a way worse position next January when you're trying to buy a car. You know, yep. move on. You know, and I then like I met with my mom yesterday, and my dad started to find. Okay, so this is like a super oh, personal boy. thing, but um, like my Let's dad, pull this thing a little bit. Out yeah, yeah. There. My dad was finally been paying back child support from when I was a child, you know? And so my mom, when I saw that's a whole deal. Yeah. Right. And so when I saw my mom yesterday, she's like, Oh, this is what's happening. So I can give you this, you know? And so, so there's just, you know, ever since, you know, I felt like I just was like, okay, I'm just letting go and I'm just doing what, whatever I can do. I'm just, yeah. I'm just going to try. I'm just going to put my fucking head down and grind at this issue until it's solved. You know, I got myself a truck that is the truck that I've wanted for several years now. It fits every, every aspect that I needed in my life. You know, it has, it has the doors I need, it has the space that I need, the bed, that everything, you know, oh, it's, it's low it's miles. Perfect. It is fits perfectly for what I needed. You know, I was able to work with someone who cared about me as an individual and, fought for me with his job with his company to try and make sure that i could get something for my family for myself to make sure that we're good Mm -hmm. you know and there's just no way to overvalue that you know and Mm -hmm. so i want to give another shout out to dallas and everyone who was there you know i don't whatever shout out to but shout out to fucking dallas dude i know that dude treated me like a human he listened to what i had to say and I, i feel like as a grown man when another grown man, especially my size, tells you I was in tears earlier today because I'm so fucking lost, like it hits home to me. You're like, oh fuck, yeah. like I don't. This guy's in a bad way. You know, he needs help. And I maybe and maybe the odds are Dallas at one point would have probably been in that yeah. a similar a situation that felt the same. Yeah, we'll say that. And it I felt too, the I same. was talking to Kyle before I left, and I I was I was crying at Kyle's desk. I was like, I'm embarrassed. I was like, I'm I'm embarrassed. That I'm in this situation where I feel I have no options, where I have to just go and tell someone, just give me whatever car you'll give me because mm-hmm. I can't get anything. You I know? just need a tool that goes from A and, to B. And, and Kyle's, like, have that. Kyle's like, you need to give yourself a break, man. He's like, you're 25. You know, he's like, when I was 25, he's like, we were scraping, mm-hmm. we were scraping by. You know, he said, and then I had to have brain surgery. It's like so, <sighs> so, and it's not you know. He's like, and this is not to like put you down or be like you know. It's not that bad. He's yeah, like, but Kyle doesn't do that. No, he's like, but just recognize you know that like you're doing really pretty good. You know, yeah. it's like even though you have this debt, you've done whatever. You know, so you're 25 and you're supporting a family on one income, and not because you make so much money, but because you're fucking hustling. Like, I know when I had that conversation with that piece of shit on Twitter earlier this week, or I don't want to call him piece of shit because I don't know him as a person, but that incredibly ignorant individual on Twitter. And he was telling me, you know, you'll never know because you've never known adversity. You've never had to strive against yeah. something you don't know. That seemed right? incredibly presumptuous. 
And then began. What made me think that you knew this guy? Yeah, because who says that? No, you don't know. Never met him in my life. And then continued to subtweet after that about how white people don't know this, and white people will never understand this. And you know, then later in the issue about because it it was it was about semi-automatic rifles and stuff. And then later, I need you to not look at this issue as an American, but look at it as a human. Yeah. First of all, it doesn't fucking mean anything to me because we're talking about the Second Amendment, right? Yeah, this is, is a solely is American an issue, American actually. right in the American Constitution of the United States of America. <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and continue to associate my identity as an American citizen with this discussion about the Second Amendment in the United States Constitution. This is – That's yeah. fucking ignorant. <laughs> it just doesn't like – and I – we talked about it. And I thought genuinely about asking that dude to come on and have mm-hmm. a conversation about this. And I agreed with you that after I thought about it more, I want to have a discussion with someone who represents that point of view but not this person who's willing to take personal attacks and make assumptions like this to try and fit their argument, mm-hmm. you know? Because I'm not trying to get – I'm not saying that I have the hardest life in the world. But to say that I haven't faced adversity I think is patently false. And I don't appreciate somebody who doesn't know me who's willing to assume because they look at me and think that I'm totally white that I've never seen any type of problem in my life. I'm you say know? your white privilege and is showing. And I think that that's fucking ignorant. And I, it's racist. It's it's racist to – especially like I said, he started to subtweet about white people will never understand this. That's racist. Yeah. And people don't want to, you know, well, that's not racist, you know, because of whatever. That's racist. To say that white people will never understand this issue because they don't know adversity is racist. Oh, yeah. That's – you are characterizing every white person as though they're born with a silver spoon in their mouth, which is not the fucking fact of the matter. You I must know? have been reading it's, that 1619 project. It doesn't – like, it, that, that's not to ignore economic disparity between different races, but that doesn't mean that all white people have always had it good forever. Like, that's oh, not yeah. what that means. That and I doesn't don't understand – It makes zero logical sense. It's racist to try and paint an entire race – as one particular thing without knowing every white person on the planet is that's racist, you know? And I don't understand that cognitive dissonance where it's not racist because we're talking about white people, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. And I'm not saying like white jokes and black jokes aren't funny. We're talking about jokes. We're talking about genuine statements that people are making about different races. And that's racist. And remember this, that whole conversation has taken place. On Twitter, on Twitter, which is not a good way to communicate those ideas. Not at all. And that's why I thought about asking yeah. him to come in was because I knew that this Definitely. conversation is not fully representative of what it could be if we were in person. But if that guy but it's also that yeah. one statement, one or two statements right. that you guys had, and then he starts subtweeting, he gets to be the virtue signaling hero. To all his intersectional friends. Yeah. And then, you know, he gave you kind of that like, oh, it's all good, bro. Like, I'm a live and let live and I'm just, you know, you can have your way even yeah. though you're wrong or it's like, okay, that's super passive aggressive, number one. And all you're doing is virtue signaling. And when you're he not said trying that, to engage at all, you've done, he- you have, he did not engage on anything that you actually address, no, period. No. Which is just, it's disingenuous. And whether or not it's malicious or not, you can only assume because it's Twitter. He told me that the statistics that I had used were, Illegitimate because of unlawful context. Oh, unlawful context. Unlawful context. Oh. The okay. statistic that I used is that minimum half a million people every year save their lives or the lives of someone else because of defensive use of firearms. And because I don't know the context around every single one of those lives being saved, I can't use that statistic. 
Oh, I thought we were speaking in human terms, though. Buddy. I'm sorry. I thought that the context right. was that they used a firearm to save or defend their lives. Yeah. Is that not the context in which we're talking about? Like, I don't, I'm not sure mm-hmm. what other context, and I'm not trying to take shots at the guy now that he's not here and we're not talking, you know, but I don't understand what's well, you can't uncontextual have this conversation. about that, you know? Yeah. You can't have that conversation on Twitter. There's that no way to do it. That doesn't, and that's why as soon as he said that, I stopped. I'm like, that is, that's fucking ignorant, you know, that, that I'm telling you that minimum a half a million people every year are defending their lives in the United States mm-hmm. with the defensive use of firearms, but that's uncontextual, so it's it's not important, you know. Well, it's illegally unsexual, <laughs> illegal, yep. unlawful context. context. Yeah, which what does doesn't mean? mean anything. No, that's one of them. That's like a corporate word, like you know synergy. I'm gonna look up unlawful context just to make sure that there isn't some type of intersectional meaning that we are not. This is true. You know, the the intersectional waters run very deep. Yeah. And I wonder if, I mean, in my mind, I assume log- illegal context or unlawful context would be like people who shouldn't have had those firearms saving their lives, maybe. Or in which case, I don't totally give a shit. You know, either. if you should have had it, but you're just, but you're protecting yourself and not yeah. attacking someone else, and I again, don't super give a shit. On you know? the grounds that he laid out, thinking not as an American, but as a human, then there is no such thing as. An unlawful context when you're talking about whether a life of a human is saved or a life of a human is not. There is no definition for unlawful context just so that we're all on the same page. Because I did think for a second, well, maybe there's – I just don't know that term and it really does mean something. But Mm -hmm. unlawful context is just something that he made up to try and say that my my statistic is illegitimate when it's – I mean, that's that's based on a study done by the CDC. You know, the Center of Disease Control, the same – center that tells you how many people are killed using firearms every year is telling you how many people are saving lives using firearms every year so i don't understand why one statistic is is acceptable but the other one is not even though when you say sixty thousand people or whatever die every year from from guns the context behind that is half of those are suicides you know which doesn't mean that people aren't dying but they're not being attacked by someone else with a firearm you know the reality is we don't know what the number really is because they don't track those numbers. Right. And so you can't have that argument because there's no factual basis. You just have to, to take reporting from police departments and how people died. Yeah. yeah. You could see how many generally, at least even in your area, are right. suicides. But yeah, altogether, CDC can't study that. So I think that that conversation, that's part of why I want to have that conversation at the live show is because I think that would be a better time to have that conversation to at least understand a more general point of view from people who are there you Mm -hmm. know um that may represent this side of the discussion uh, which is something i'm open to as Mm -hmm. long as it's better than oh well you just don't know because you don't know any adversity you know we're gonna be in kingston so i don't know how diverse the population will be there but we'll fucking see um (laughs) i told you about the one trump supporter on the corner yeah that was wild um, and when I brought up the the Second Amendment rally in Virginia, because someone else chimed in talking about, oh well, you know, Second Amendment protect rights, and you know, you're you know supposed to fight against the government if you need to. And I was like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I mean, people, you know, he that guy then said something about, you know, this right's been abused, and so we don't really deserve it anymore. And and I said, well, I think that. 22,000 people or whatever just gathered in Virginia and showed that that's not correct, being as over half of them were openly concealed carrying firearms and no one died. So I'm not sure how we've abused that openly that these people can't have a firearm safely, you know? And yeah, it doesn't really work out in the end. So that's when I, you know, I needed to start looking at it like a human and not 
and not no. like an American, you know? <laughs> Which still and also, again, doesn't also make any sense. Also, that crowd wasn't diverse at all, by the way. It was like <laughs> another edition. That's like, so why? And on that note, I would just say that if we talk about something, whether it's here on the podcast or in the pre-show or on our social medias, then like, feel free to reach out to us and you can give us your two cents at the beginning or... You know, if you want to actually have a real life conversation, join us in the pre-show on Saturdays. Send us an email. Send us, hit us in the DMs or anything like that, and we can we can direct it to a, a you know a live stream session where we can actually have a, a healthy back and forth and, mm-hmm. and and actually have a conversation. In so, the right circumstance, I'm not opposed to a back and forth email. You know, like yeah. there's all kinds of stuff. That I'm, oh, excuse me, all kinds of different ways that I'm willing to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And that's the way we want to do it. Because a lot of, if we're going to sit here for three hours, four hours every, you know, every other Saturday and talk about these things, there's a reason it has to be three to four hours. Because these things can't be explained in text messages and emails and right. short snippets. This Especially is why, on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't work in the mainstream news, it doesn't work on anything except in a long form conversational setting. Do you know what's really funny is that that whole thing started because I I don't even know what the root article was. It was something that I'm pretty sure it was AOC had said about, you know, this is author- authoritarian and like overstepping. And I said, if you think that this is authoritarian, but you think that door-to-door bans of assault rifles is not, then like the cognitive dissonance here is fucking crazy, you know? And then... This conversation about, oh, well, yeah. you know, if you really think that you need that, then you got me fucked up, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, well. Okay. In so the end. He's like a hardcore martial artist, like Super Zen. He can take care of anything. And that was that was his argument. Is, well, if you really want to protect yourself, why don't you just invest in some self-defense classes? Why do you think that you need to take someone's life to try and defend yourself? And do you really want that on your conscience? I carry your – let me just get this out there for, <laughs> for everyone, right? For everyone. So if you're listening, JD Human, whatever the fuck that guy's name is, right? If you're listening, let me just put this out there right fucking now because this isn't just for me who carries a pistol. For anyone who carries a gun with them every day. If you are not actively prepared for the oppor- – not the opportunity, for the – Opportunity sounds too like – And that's right. It's because it. it's yeah. not a positive thing, but at the – if you're presented with some circumstance in which you feel you have to do this If you thing, are not prepared to accept the responsibility of possibly having to take someone's life in defense of your own, you should not be carrying a pistol. That being said, I carry a pistol with me every day with the full understanding that I hold my life in higher regard than someone else's who may choose to attack me. I accept that responsibility every day when I leave my house with my gun, in my car, in my waistband, in my hand, wherever. That if someone is to attack me, I am taking that on myself that I may take someone's life. If you're not prepared to do that, you should not be carrying a pistol. I think that was brilliantly put. Could not have said it any better. That was... I, chills over here, I accepted that responsibility the day that I purchased this and received a concealed pistol license in the mail. I chose this responsibility. I hope to never, ever have to do that. But I've accepted that that is something I may have to do at some point by virtue of me carrying this weapon. I'm comfortable with that. I don't want to do that. I'm not mm-hmm. looking to do that. And that's why I've not shot anybody yet. It's because I don't want to do that. But I'm not well, willing to risk. Anybody. I also feel very confident as a man who's 6'2 and 240 pounds. 
I feel very confident in my ability to defend myself in a one-on-one altercation with just about anybody. I'm not saying I can kick anyone's ass. I feel confident I can defend myself, right? Do you ever do any, you know, I know you kind of I did some martial arts when I was up. younger, you know, but I think it was like 13 probably when I was done. Um, and I mm-hmm. did fighting in school and stuff, but not, you know. Fighting in school and stuff. Just just shit that That's happens, what I'm saying. Like, know, you ever get in some, some actual legit Yeah, and then I had ups. older brothers, you know, so I got, had been in no shortage of hand-to-hand altercations whether they're short or semi-extended mm-hmm. for whatever reason i've been in no shortage of, of gotcha. physical altercations with i just don't think i've ever heard you members. talk about anything like that before um That's i why. didn't really get into fights when i got into high school i was big enough that it just wasn't a i was yeah. able to make enough noise that it wasn't really a, a problem you mm-hmm. know um i well, got most into, people yeah i think most yeah. people at that age they don't have fighting experience. You might have some wrestlers or yeah. like the occasional person that's doing something on the side, martial arts. But for the most part, it's it's all just about size and attitude when you're yeah. in high school. Yeah. And there was, you know, like people would like slap box and stuff like that. And, but it wasn't <laughs> like a, you know, like I said, I was big enough and played football and stuff that it wasn't, that oh, wasn't I, an obstacle for me in school, really. I don't get uh, our generation. But no, stupid as shit. But <laughs> I discovered. Motherfuckers do dumb stuff. Right. And not to diverse type. Uh, to shift gears too too much here to uh, something a little bit on the lighter side. Um, but I've been watching a lot of, uh, you know who Bridget Phetasy is? No. She, she's kind of one of these people. She's newer to the intellectual scene, we'll call it. The IDW kind of scene. Um, she's been on Ruben before. She was on Joe Rogan. She's had conversations with, uh, you know who Jonah Goldberg is? Yeah. Uh, you know, John Podhorns and stuff. They talk about Jonah Gold- Goldberg all the time. Um, he actually has a really good podcast, by the way, called The Revenant. Um, what do you need, glass? Yeah. Where is your glass? Oh, Where's my glass. Mind, yeah. Refill the beers. Um, oh, what was I going to say? We're talking about uh, Bridget Phetasy. Self-defense. Self-defense. Oh, man. I was going somewhere with this. Personal protection. Damn it. It's all right. I'll finish up. Maybe you'll think of it. There that being said. Yeah. <laughs> Regardless of how confident I feel in my ability to defend myself, I choose not to leave that up to chance while I'm with my family. There you go. I choose to accept. I choose to take control of a situation I may find myself in and not leave that up to chance. I'm going to do everything that I can to protect myself and my family. If it comes down to me having to use a firearm, then that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. I'm not willing to risk any of our protection because I don't for someone else's moral quandary for whatever i don't that's not well to take it all the way back to was it pre-show we were talking about the the lockdown drills um we just open you'd that. be oh, I have a better prepared right you know I what i mean I have a lighter. but i got these these long <laughs> ass arms <laughs> there it is oh no and silent bob goes oh, down. bob down finally i actually remembered by the way um, Bridget Fantasy is talking about this thing the other day on one of her, her YouTube shows called Dumpster Fire, um, which she would fucking love. And it's how this the generational gaps might be a little too wide, right? There's some people that don't fit into the traditional millennial kind of gap. Some of them don't fit traditionally in Zen, Gen Xers. I don't care, dude. Just I give don't me really a <laughs> Let's assume that you acted in um, rational self-interest and poured yourself one first. (laughs) Just in case you poured me one first and then I had a heart attack and died, then you couldn't have had your beer ready. Um, 
but she was talking about this this gap, and I'm like, man, I fucking identify with this. I I don't identify with the hardcore millennial base, and I don't. I'm too young to be a Gen Zer or a Gen Xer. Um, but like, I feel like I'm lost in this little middle space between that. And she started referring it to it at, at the Zillennials. Or no, the yes, Zillennials or something like that. It's basically ex-millennial. We're, we're stuck halfway in between. We're not quite Gen Xers, but like we can't get down with the millennial genre. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, that's me. That's so yeah. me. She doesn't refer to the generations as like the boomers. It's like, because she is definitely a Gen Xer. But uh, very interesting person, man. But she just calls them the olds. And then, like, we're the poors, you know, everybody that's not fucking rich and shit. If you're not a politician that makes a million dollars, you know, you're one of the poors. Yeah. Um, highly recommend her fucking, her weekly podcast, Dumpster Fire. It is nothing but, like, a half hour of nonstop comedy about all the political and sociological things that happened that week. Yeah. It's perfect. It's a great way to intake good information, but still have it be hilarious. Um used to be a uh, playboy a writer for playboy oh really and yeah so she yeah it's very very interesting um rogan's got an episode with her that's like i think the best gateway into her thing but anyways um there was something else i wanted to ask you about oh i want to talk to you about my my leftist friend that yes getting into yes. business right so it is our leftist friend. Our leftist friend. Whatever your leftist um, friend. But this happens to a lot of people. Anonymity. It does. And Any number of leftists we know. <laughs> yeah. And I will tell you right now that even on my side, I had no true imp- understanding of the real world implications of the more progressive lefty policies and their real life implications so until let's, I got into business. So let's know? hear it. And this was my week, right? My week was not nearly as, say, fiscally draining. Um, it was emotionally and physically draining. Having, you know, trying to run a business and or at least, you know, run a – this is a relatively big business with a lot of dollars flowing around. Yeah, yeah. Not a whole lot of people there to run it. Right. You guys do construction shit. So, just yeah. as inherently, it's going to – there's going to be a lot of money flowing yes. around. It's just a, it's a thing due right. to the industry, right? And there's – Because you don't work for a corporation, but you yeah. just do – you just handling big money shit. And in true kind of lefty fashion, we have gotten into a, a situation where it's kind of like a partially employment or employee owned um, and not – all the employees own, but like, you know, there's people that aren't like licensed professionals who are owners in this business now, but we all communicate. There's about four or five of us that are all have to kind of run this thing together. Mm-hmm. And the weight that we each pull is a lot to handle, like, especially mentally and top of physically, you know, I've pulled more hours since I actually became a business owner than I ever did as an employee. Right. And I write off a lot of my time. Because I'm just siphoning money away from my own business at that point. It doesn't become fiscally responsible at the end. And so you take a big hit on stuff like that. And that's just one aspect of like some of the things you deal with as a business owner, right? I've recently been involved in hiring, which is, oh my God, one of the worst things in the world to do. I I, <laughs> I even tried uh, an ad for ZipRecruiter. Right. Because I hear it on so many podcasts. <clears throat> And so, thanks to the podcast, I got a nice little subscription code thing, and I got to try it out for a week for free, which was dope. 
Um, but like all these different aspects. And then at some point throughout the week, uh, a friend had gotten in touch with me and started talking about some business stuff. And it was related to taxes and how the business end of taxes that have to be paid every month. An ungodly amount of money yeah. that you have to just – this is all due to my hard work and my other people's hard work and all the shit. And now you're The more money you make, the more tax you got to pay. Yes. Yes. And it's in every facet of your business. Every every penny that comes into your business in any capacity Property, is Property, stock, everything. Yes. It's <clears throat> ridiculous. I know I'm not I'm like both am and am not excited to own this company with you, you know, because it's gonna be great to like right. do what I'm, we love and own our own business. But I would say I would much rather run this business than any other business. Yeah. Jordan said something about like not being able to play video games on a Saturday morning, and I said if I don't have time to play video games on a Saturday morning until my kid wakes up, then I'm not running this business correctly. You yeah, know, exactly. it's like if I don't have Saturday and Sunday to myself, then what the fuck am I really doing? You know? Five days a week. I'll put something on the internet. It'll mm-hmm. be me and him for an hour on the internet every fucking day. I'm like, Saturday and Sunday, fuck off. Football <laughs> season, video games, like, I still got shit I want to do, you know? And if we own the fucking company, then fuck it, you yeah. know? And that's, it's the same way with your business owners and their stance on, like, Fridays. Yeah. You know? Fuck it. If you don't need to be here, don't be here. Go spend time with out. your family. Yeah. You know? Go... Do go live your life. You don't need the money. Don't come in on the weekends. We don't give a shit. Yeah. Go live we're, your life. We're not here. Why are you here? You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. And I find that uh, depending on what industry, that's generally the way it is, right? Um, but anyway, this this friend of ours had, had run into an issue that was completely unexpected because I think relatively new to the management side of business and all this good stuff. And, and sometimes business owners don't have full understandings of tax implications too until they the happen. Doing. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, she had come up to me with a, a change in how they run things and how their employees are compensated and stuff like this. And it's, and I started to think about, it, I was like, man, that is tough. That is a, it's a tough pill to swallow as an employee, but it is a tougher pill to swallow if you're a manager or an employer. Yeah. Because now that means. You got to do it to everyone. And well, you have to do it to everybody who you don't want to do that to because these are the people that it's not that you rely on to make you money. No, these are the people that you, you are incredibly thankful and appreciative of for their hard work so that you can all make a living. Because most don't have to be there. Even people who need that check could get another job somewhere else and then quit. And be like, I don't give a fuck. I have another job. Yep. You know, they're, they're still at the end of the day choosing to be there. No. I have never thought more hardly over the last two weeks about just the the lack of stress involved in working a regular job where you can show up, do your job, get a paycheck, and go home. It's awesome. There's a lot of there's I a lot of upside to that. I feel there for is. You. And I had no, nobody, and I can just say this right now, nobody has a fucking clue until they've actually done it because it takes over every aspect of your life. Yeah. It does because that's your livelihood. Right. And you're terrified about that. And I will tell you right now that when this legit starts being run as a company, just due to the industry and the nature of what it is. We could be hustling, bro. We could be hustling. hustling. For a long time. But this 
thankfully as an industry that you can do that Monday through Friday and just thanks to who we are and yeah. what we're plugged into, it's okay. You could totally get away with that and not have to sacrifice growth. Um, you know, there's car companies, a lot of, you know, the, the people I bought my car from back in Long Island, the Subaru, um, they were a family owned company. Closing and they on Sundays. Close on Sundays. Yeah, All yeah. Subaru dealerships, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that is, they call it Sundays, our family day. There is no work. We are closed on Sundays, period. That's the way the whole country used to be, for God's yeah. sakes. I mean, there's, there's still places in America that have these quote unquote blue laws. We call them that are, uh, kind of, they're thought of more in the religious sense that you can't, you can't even hunt sometimes on Sundays in some states or in at between certain times on Sundays because the idea was that you're supposed to not have any commitments so that you can go to church and be part of the community and so on. Blue law. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of other rationales to those these days in the states where they do exist. Um, but there's still laws like that on the books today. And, but when a private entity, a personal, a guy or, or gal or whatever, um, who owns this business entity that employs people can make that call. That's their, that's their freedom of choice to do. Right. And by having to essentially be forced to run your business in a particular manner, to treat your employees in a particular manner that seems fair on paper is oftentimes one of those, the road to hell is paved with good intentions things. And so what was it this time? Are you able to, without, you know, we'll just say it's a, it's a, you know, it's a restaurant industry issue that um, involves tips. Tipping is very, it's very problematic. Yeah. In, in the sense of running as far as business. wages and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Because if, you know, it's a very weird thing to think about when I worked in the restaurant industry and it was like this. Carolina worked in the restaurant industry for a while. Like in certain restaurants, uh, not everybody gets tips or it used right. to be that not everybody got tips. And then sometimes it would be all the tips that are collected throughout the entire night are all pooled together and then divided, yeah. divided into departments and people and all this stuff. Whereas, you know, back in the old days, a tip was just gratuity. It was personal gratuity. Somebody gave you money and you put it in your pocket and that's what it was. Right. I, I technically, according to the IRS, that is money that you made an income that you have to report and then pay taxes on. Yes. The reality of the situation is nobody knows that that money changes hands 90% of the time. In cash, yes. Yes. Unless you're at a business now that reports those cash tip sales. And if you're a business, oh. you can do that. You can do that and record them. And then at the end of the year, your business uh, essentially gets taxed on that as income. Um and if you don't pay the taxes on it in say like a lot of restaurants now will in they'll just roll all the tips into your paycheck and that way it's taxed you don't have to worry about it it's all written up in your your end of the year taxes all that good stuff uh and then it's all done right or you can shell out all that cash to all your employees make everybody happy and all that and then you just have to have a way to track it report it on the books and at the end of the year you pay taxes on that right. from the business um and i don't know if there's technically a right or wrong way to do that but I think in this particular situation, this was a, you know, a business owner that was trying to do the right thing and for their employees and ultimately found themselves as the homeowner or the business owner being liable for that decision at the end of the year. And it really, really hurts the overall bottom line. And you go, I can't afford to do that again next year. If this is what happens, I can't afford <clears throat> to do this or... I have to come up with some kind of savings scheme so that I could be able to afford it at the end of the year or something. 
But most of the time, business owners are just going to have to roll it into their paychecks. It's the easiest way to to run the numbers and and keep accurate books so that you're not and not have to double eat fucked, it. Yeah, you know. <clears throat> but then that is less incentive for the employee to want to work there. It's it's a tough situation, and it, if you have to make that call as a business owner, you have to pay the personnel consequences. Yeah, and. God help you, it is not easy to try to hire people to do that type of so thing. So what's the leftist value being questioned here? The leftist value is that things like a high the highest minimum wage, the the every word. So that's know, what part of the deal is. High is, taxes on businesses. Yeah. Because capitalism is bad and all that money needs to be redistributed to everybody. That to do that on the greater good, you're fucking every individual involved at every step of the way. High taxes on businesses to pay for the fifteen dollars minimum. Yes, is that? yeah, yeah. It's it's not something that you can do very easily yeah. as a business, and it especially a small one when you yes. don't have that many employees as this particular business. Very yeah. much, and it's. I mean, it it could be a life changing business ending endeavor. Yeah, yeah. Because if you can't find people, you're only one person. You can try to run your business the best you can, but that means you are responsible for it at every single stage of operation. Well, even somewhere like Bennett, you know, there's like 45 employees, give or take a few, you know, and that's <sighs> things like that still, you know, are that's like that's a good company that does a lot of shit. You know, you sell a lot of shit out of that building, but that's still those things still deeply affect a company even that size, you yep. know, not they're they're still a small company, you know, but they're a large small company yeah. like, comparatively. Small companies, the smallest of, you know, hometown American companies, you know, less than 15 employees. Right. A lot of those, right? Yeah. Things where you're not, you don't hit that employee threshold to provide health care and stuff like that. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, like you can get away with certain things. If I had, if I was required by law to provide full health care coverage for my employees, newsflash, the business would be down overnight. News glass, everyone's fired. <laughs> you all it's have just, to leave. You could I'm not afford to myself. operate, you know? You just could not do that. There's not a you're taking so much out of the business yeah. that it fails to be sustainable. Yeah. And it, it's that's why people like Mayor Bloomberg are running for president right now, because they see all this, you know, for lack of a better word, you know, retarded thinking. You know, and I mean that in literally, the objective literally sense retarded of thinking. slowed yeah. down thinking about how this works and not understanding how that truly affects the end game. It's not something that, I mean, it seems, that's why I say everybody up on the stage is insane because everything they're all talking about will not fiscally be able to work. There is not enough money to do all of these things. So can we let's talk about that for just a second, right? Please. Because a lot of people, and I don't know that much about healthcare, right? I don't. I really don't because it's super confusing. I understand, you know, kind of the the general idea enough to have a conversation, but as far as like breakdown of costs and stuff, that's not me, right? I, so let's put it um, this way: I have been, I'm relatively familiar with it. Because I know I've you have. Trying, yeah, I remember. I've been trying to bring healthcare coverage to my company since the day I became. A a person with stakes in that company. Yeah, I feel it's important enough to try to get to that goal. But so fuck. <laughs> so let me throw this right because I think the one positive thing that I've been able to draw from Joe Biden this whole time is that he mm. continues to talk about the cost of Medicare for all. Right. Yes. 
35 trillion dollars or whatever over 10 years which is way fucking more than our than our debt how much money we take in every year gdp everything right yep. so <clears throat> that's been my biggest thing when i when people ask me about healthcare you know it's like i can't really get on board with medicare for all just because of the cost right and not because like what will it do to the country my thing is i can't get on board with that for the cost because if 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 because i don't if bernie sanders wins i don't feel confident that Medicare for all will be a thing, right? So that's if Medicare for all were to be a thing, right? It depends. Just it's, because Bernie gets elected, you, you doesn't okay. So it's what happens underneath uh, Bernie, right? So yeah. that's what I'm saying. I don't think that that's you know. It's, yeah, I don't think so either. It's not an ABC thing. But yeah. if whatever was to happen and then Medicare for all were to be a thing, thirty five trillion dollars over over ten years. If that's what you're doing, you are. At least in my eyes, and I think the eyes of many people in the country, you are acknowledging that money does not mean anything. Yeah. You are acknowledging that it is all ones and zeros, and it doesn't fucking matter. If you're willing to take on $35 trillion in national debt in the interest of everyone having cheaper health care when it's still going to cost the individuals more money in taxes every year, you are acknowledging money does not exist and it does not matter. At what, at which point, why the fuck am I doing anything that I'm doing to try and make money? I'm just going to start doing shit for myself. I'm just going to start growing things, sustaining my own life, and fuck everyone else. I'm not going to work. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to fucking farm items, food, and just make our own shit because it doesn't matter. You're acknowledging all this doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. So fuck a job. Fuck paying bills. Fuck any of that. That's a waste. I'm going to just make electricity. I'm going to all that shit. I'll just do it myself because it's, it's a fucking waste. It all doesn't matter. And why I'm not going to buy into a system that no one's going to acknowledge doesn't matter. You know, yeah. and at that point with that much fake shit floating around, I don't give a fuck. You but know, I, it's, I think you bring up a bigger point than I think you even know you're making with the idea of currency doesn't really mean anything. I mean, we've talked about it before. No yeah. gold standard. Shit doesn't matter now. It doesn't, well, it doesn't mean anything matter. now. I was going to say, because I'm pretty sure we've talked about it before, Only right? because we say that it matters, does it matter? And I'm not trying to be like, in the bigger picture, nothing even fucking matters. But truly, and it's people have expressed it in no shortage of times, that the thing, it's the same thing with the with the Supreme Court. The thing that gives the Supreme Court its power is the people's willingness to abide by what they say. Yeah. They don't have an army. They don't have a police force. They don't have anything. Nothing. Nine motherfuckers in robes. That's what they are. <laughs> Deciding what we're going to do as a country. Only because we decide that they can do it and that we follow that do they have any power at all. And that's why it's so important in America is because we are the country that's done that for longer than pretty much anyone else's. Have a, an independent body that we respect and abide the rules by for this whole fucking time, you know? And – it's the same idea. It's only because we continue to work for money and spend that green shit, the paper, mm -hmm. that it means anything at all. It's based in fabricated fucking nothing. There's no standard that it's backed against anymore. It's just shit. Which you is know? weird, right? It's it just doesn't matter. the Federal it Reserve says it is. Which is – A body designed by the U.S. government to be like yeah. create funds – Yep. Make money for well, us what's to so spend and borrow and trade back and forth, and mm -hmm. that's it, you know? And well, it's because it's all based off of whatever we perceive its value to be. 
right? Yeah. And that's that's one of the attractive things for a lot of people about uh, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, where it's it's not centralized. Nobody owns Bitcoin. It is dictated you know? by what people are willing to pay for it at that time, how much it's worth. Yep. Which is like – it's just a more savage version of the US dollar, you know? Which I would be – you know, I'm not an economist, but having that relatively – foundational threshold of what a the value of a dollar is yeah can provide incentives to boost innovation in particular industries due to the supply and demand rule certainly and with something like an e-currency where essentially it is the value is based off of supply and demand there as well but it is consistently changing based off of solely supply and demand yeah. So the more demand there is on something, the higher the value it will be. And that can that can be kind of I would be curious what long-term, you know, economist views would be on that. What does that look like in 100 years from now? Does can that drastically create a class system in which you have certain items that just due to the nature of who are buying them are completely unavailable to everyone else in the system of that which, currency which, which you can argue now but it's it's mostly based off of hard materials still like steel and right. electronics and no all no no stuff, but, but what but what you're saying and this is not mm-hmm. you're not i'm not by any means trying to attribute any type of conspiratorial thinking to you but what you're describing there in which items of particular importance decide in a certain sense a class system is legitimately 1984, in yeah. which people have access, who have money, have access to items like chocolate and coffee and all that shit they talked about in the book, you know, razor blades, fucking things like yeah. that, that you cannot find. You're having to borrow from other people because you don't have the money to acquire such a thing. But someone shows up and they have it and they say, oh, well, you know, these people have it. They, we just don't have the money for it, so they don't bring it down here, you know. Mm-hmm. They just keep it for themselves. Yep. And you don't know that it even exists anymore because it's not available in that realm. And that's fucking terrifying, you yep. know, to think that there's items that – and it's it's in that way now in some sense as far as just products – you know, things that are too expensive. You never had an iPhone because you don't have fucking a thousand dollars, you know, at mm-hmm. least in the beginning, you know, and now they, they do the, the next programs through AT&T and whatever you're paying $35 a month for. Anyone can have an iPhone. Yeah. You know, that's just a credit system for a fucking phone, you know, which is something that's existed in America since someone had more money than someone else and was willing to borrow it at, oh, yeah. at an interest rate, you know, yeah, so, that's been around since Mesopotamia, man. Yeah. Forever. I gotta find. I don't think I have the book. Book. I have the ebook version of it. It's. it's Did uh, I specify in America? That's stupid. America didn't. It's invent. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but and it's. It's. Well, I mean, in America, it existed since one person yeah. had more shit than another. But well, it's, there's a, yeah. There's the book, and I don't think I like. I said I don't think I have the actual hard copy of it. But it's called um, the Wisest Man in Babylon, I believe, or the Richest Man in Babylon, and it, I want to say it was written in the 20s or. Th- ooh, I'm gonna have to look it up now. Um, but it describes in great detail it, you know, how credit works, how it worked back then, and how essentially it hasn't changed since no. then. We just have we have institutional systems that we've built More around it. Systems, yeah. To create gate gatekeepers for your for your credit, you know what I mean? Which makes it easier in some ways and harder in other ways. Because now there's arbitrary numbers versus um character and 
reference referenced history on say like your payment history you know right um there's it was much more simple back in the day you know the the idea of collateral the idea of am i i am giving you a loan but this loan is not for you from my aspect as the the loan grantor this is an investment i'm making in you to give you X amount of money, knowing that I'm going to get X money back with interest on that so I can make money too. So it's all about making better investments. And in the situation you were talking about with your car, right? With yeah. that guy. Um, Dallas. Richest man. Let me just pull this up. Babylon. Um, with that, like to have the ability to walk into a place and be able to talk to somebody. And to be able to have them relate to you on a human-to-human level, he can look at your payment history, and then he goes to talk to the manager, say like, "Hey, this is this guy's good for it. This number may not say that, but I can tell you right now that this is a person I feel like gambling on." Yeah, it was the way you know a lot of um, home loaning used to be done. Yeah, banks still do a lot of that type of stuff, especially for like business loans, you know, and personal loans. Those things in particular, when you meet with like a, it's an underwriter, right, that you're meeting with and they're asking you questions about what your business plan is and what you're going to make and all those things to decide whether or not they think you're going to make money, you know, so that they can decide whether or not they think they're going to get their money back, Mm -hmm. you know. And that was taken advantage of greatly um, before the, the recession. Oh, yeah. Which came back. That was... That was people essentially operating under that assumption, but with a malicious intent. Giving people who didn't have money houses that were so expensive that even when they didn't pay it off, they could still sell the house for so much that it didn't even matter. And then they were going to take out another loan against that person that they're like, they probably won't pay off this house, in which case when they don't, I'm going to get a fat stack when I have to resell this house again. Yep. It's malicious. 1926 was when that book was written. Joris Klassen. Clayson. But, I mean, it's a tiny little book. You can sit – I mean, you can literally sit down and read it in a couple hours. It's That's that very interesting. Of, and it's very, very good. It's incredibly informative. How every high school student doesn't get a copy of this to read and, like, understand as early as possible in life. Before you can graduate high school and go out into the world and Man, fuck your life up. There's so much stuff that should be taught in high school that is not. You know, oh, yeah. Things that are irrelevant. I don't know. Mm. That is something that I heard was it Adam Green talking about on the Rogan this week. Um, he's a, what is he, a theoretical physicist or a mathematician or he's one of them people them science folks them smart guys yeah and he was like just perturbed that like our educational system is i mean it's designed to be you know to make you take tests standardized tests to shit it's it's designed to meet the needs of the bureaucracy that funds it which is has no implication to what education is actually about life yeah and as we change as a society on an exponential rate, like we do today, our educational system has to adapt to that. But due to its bureaucratic nature, it is impossible for it to ever even come close to adapting at the scale and at the speed that it needs to happen. Yeah. Um, we do have signs of life in that every now and again. But, I mean, this is one of those things that talks about personal fiscal responsibility and teaches you what you need to do to be able to keep your shit on track as you try to become an adult. Mm-hmm. Becoming an adult and going out in the world 
and finding jobs and trying to start a family and finding a place to live Super and get hard. it is incredibly complex and complicated and it, it you have to work your ass off to get to a what we foresee as a comfortable position for most people everybody's level of comfort and happiness is subjective obviously but um to get to that point you need to know about debt and interest and your credit and checking and i mean everything from investing and yeah. i mean all aspects of that you need to understand the implications of what happens when you don't bill pay your bills what is collections and what does that do to you what does that make you look like and like all this good shit i mean it's it's stuff that nobody teaches but it's required to live and i don't understand where that comes from if that's maybe failures of you know, traditional home values where you're getting well, a, a kind of, and I don't know that I necessarily you know? think that that should be something that's required by, or that should be all the time left up to the parents, you know, not that it, because, because if they don't have that knowledge themselves, you know, then they oh, have yeah. no way to pass that, you Definitely. know, and in a world where we're talking about a public education system, you know, that is, we are teaching you the things that you will need to be a human being. Those are the things that you will need to be a human being in yeah. America. You and know, it's, it's just a, it's a gap that's missing. Yeah, you know, I mean, your parents are supposed to teach you emotional and human skills and how to work with people and who you are and how to cope and like exist mm-hmm. in a personal sense in this world. You know, school teaches you educational things, fabric things. You know that you are supposed to be able to carry with you later in life to apply to your jobs and shit like that. Mm-hmm fundamentally general education fiscally yeah you know that's the whole point of it you know that's when you ask your teacher why am i doing this because you're gonna need it one day when you're an adult yeah so if that's why i'm here if that's the answer that i will be given if that's why i'm here why am i not learning these things even even as well you know make two of my classes these other things that i'm Mm -hmm. i will need this shit and then teach me fucking Math and the other one, not later. That if I had, if I'm an engineer, I'm gonna need all this fucking math that I took. Yeah. But if I'm whatever, you know, something else, if I decide that I want to want to work at a gas station forever, I don't need to take oh, yeah. calculus. You know? The when I, I mean, and I have no idea what the educational system truly looks like today to be in, in it. But when I went in, it wasn't great. It was just the standard math English. We we had gone from. You know, when I actually went to high school, I actually had history class you can take. But before that, it was called social studies. Yeah. And that was history, which I don't quite understand, I guess. Um, but social studies is supposed to include kind of like, a, like civics and stuff like that, too. Yeah. It's a, like a study, like, almost like America, you know, is kind of like what social studies is. So it's just like, yeah, it's like American America. anthropology. Almost, yeah. Yeah. You know, societal study right. and history kind of, you can definitely throw that in, but. Right, because um, when I took social studies, like, we also learned about um, – part of it was, like, a state portion, you know? So, we learned about Washington and, like, Native American tribes and, like, shit like that. We yeah. learned about a lot of that stuff. That makes the, sense. I had a Washington State history class that was a social studies credit. Oh. Um, yeah, that's what it fulfilled, but it was a Washington State history class. And so, it was just all about the founding of Washington and, obviously, the logging industry in, mm-hmm. in large portion and stuff like that. And I, I found later on that, like, as I caught – Kind of like your junior, senior year in high school, you could really start to pick classes a lot more than you ever could have before. Yeah. You can choose your electives. If you hadn't fucked around. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, otherwise you're railroaded and yeah. it's just getting what you needed to get that piece of paper that says, I have met this standard, which is a shame that that's ultimately – the ultimate goal is to get a piece of paper that says, I made it through the system versus I came out with knowledge. It is a shame it because a shame. there are many people in this world that are representative that that doesn't – you know. It doesn't – I am one of those. I am a living, <laughs> breathing embodiment in a industry that – generally requires a four-year degree um, with, you know, focuses in mathematics and geometry and physics and all this kind of crazy shit. But I've, you know, just due probably to the nature of who I am, I like to learn things. And so that's, right. I learned how to do this job just sheerly on my own and the people I had around me that I could soak up knowledge from. And it never stops, even to today. I struggled all the way through school, and it's you know yeah. we we've sat here for almost two years now. You know I'm I'm no fucking idiot, but no, I struggled all the way through school the whole time. That's it was never easy for me, and I especially math. I've never taken anything higher than a tenth grade math class. I oh. now work with fractions all day. Oh yeah, all day. You know, all day. That's what I do is numbers and just conversions, percentages, like that type of shit, all day. Oh yeah, I fucking hate math. It was my worst subject. So I think whatever I learned there, you know, that tenth grade math is as much as I needed to have this extremely fruitful job that I have now. That should I choose, I could work there for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and would be just fine. Oh yeah, you know. But for some reason, you know, mm -hmm. I took the same class three fucking times because I couldn't pass it. Well, a lot of that, it, I mean, because at that point you're having a conversation about like even educational styles and. What people can and can't learn specific ways, it just but doesn't. Just I remember in my head because the point I was wanting to make is I remember Sorry. once I hit that level in in school, I was actually able to pick the classes, and I Man. feel like all the elective classes that I took were where I actually truly learned the skills that ever helped me out out in the real world. And that was like just the last two years, yeah. You know where I took graphic design. I took. I needed a math credit, and it was either I was going to have to take trig again which I barely got through trig the first time, which is funny because I do trig every fucking day now in my day job and I f love it yeah. because I can see its real world implications. Right. It totally made sense then. All through school, didn't make sense to me. Just numbers and letters and no. Does but I took a business math class, which it basically taught you how to work Excel and Word and all this stuff and keep accounting books and you know basic everyday, how to balance a checkbook. Like, I got a lot of that stuff from that one little class, which was one quarter at my high school. Yeah. So, it was one class for one quarter. I went there for, I mean, how long is that? You're at school for roughly nine months. And then, I mean, you break it up, probably a totality of like a couple weeks actual time there. By the well, time so you're you, because you sit for there for like an hour for you're a in day school for the class, for 180 days. Yeah. So you, if you took, it, if you took it for a semester, there's 180 days in a school yeah. year. Yeah. And half so, a year. So if you took it for half a year, then you took 90 days, which is three months technically, but yeah. it's you know. But then you're only doing it week, for so. an hour a day, yeah. five days a week, for 90 days. So you took 90 hours of that class. That's not know, a lot, roughly, right? That's not a lot of real world learning when you really think about it. You've been doing fraction now every day for eight to 14 hours a day, five days a week, if not six. It'd be five years yeah. in April. 
That's how you learn that shit. Yeah. Not by spending an hour a day for 90 days. Right, because I could do it when we were cutting neoprene. But yeah. when I was doing it at school, I couldn't do it. I could yeah. never – I could not figure it out. I can't. And but. it's a shame that we don't have more of that, I guess. And that's why I'm so passionate about it. Mike Rowe is one of my fucking heroes. He and he is incredibly passionate about getting trade schools back up and running, making them yeah. a, a real life thing. And even if you could do that in our traditional high school landscape, that's amazing. Or go to a two-year trade school right after high school that you can learn how to be a plumber, an electrician, a carpenter, a fucking surveyor, an engineer. You can get started on that road. I mean, there's so many things that you could do. A mechanic. All the stuff that we rely on for all these, and that's the vast majority of small businesses well, that in, run our country. In our particular school district, there is a trade school that you can go to in high school. Like you go there for half the day, and the other half the day you go to regular school, mm -hmm. um, where you do like two classes at high school, and then you go to like West Sound for the rest of the day. We had that, but, but when I was growing up too. But the way that it's presented is not like this is a okay. way for you to learn something else. It's like if you can't do regular school, if you're too fucking stupid to figure out how to do regular classes, then you can go to a trade trade school and you can just learn how to do something mm -hmm. and then at least you can do that when you get out of high school because you can't fucking do anything else which is like we've talked about this no shortage of times that no. i know several people now that did that when i was in high school that are now making more money than me doing something that they fucking love doing they're gonna do for the rest of their lives actually for about 20 more years and then they're gonna retire and have more money than god and not give a shit about oh, anything yeah. When and they can we sit were back all... for the rest of their lives, depending on how yep. they do it, and they can continue to reap the fruits of what they sowed all those years ago. And we were all talking about how stupid they were because that's what we were being told when in reality they're fucking way smarter than any of us because they're happy. Dude. Half of the kids I graduated with have fucking you know, $60,000 in student loan debt or whatever. I got goosebumps. 5% of them and have certificates and fucking a bunch of money and cars and probably a fucking house now and mm -hmm. just shit. They're living. They're having a good time. One kid in particular is doing auto body repair on auto body repair on like old classic cars, like restoration and shit. He's restoring cars from like the 50s and 60s. Oh, yeah. Making stacks doing it, welding old fucking cars. Loving it. Having a good time. And that's something that, for the most part, you don't need the school. But if you got it at a young age like that, you can consider yeah. an apprenticeship at that point. And I am – I don't know if I'm comforted or disheartened by the fact that when I went to school, right next door to my junior high school, which is now right <laughs> next door to the Kingston High School, there used to be an alternative school there, yeah. which was the trades. And it was the same perception was if you couldn't cut it there, that's where all the flunkies went. In reality, I had no concept of that, that that was a, a legit trade school. That was something that I probably should have gone to anyways. I probably could have benefited from alternative school. You know, there's all kinds of shit, but yeah. And it's, it's just, it's fucking frustrating yeah. to me. It's the most important thing we can do for our society is to make sure that the youngest people in our society are actually being set up for success, not being set up for failure. And the way we have it now, there is no way other than to, than to see it as us ruining the future generation's lives by overburdening them in debt, by failing to educate them about yeah. what it is to live a real life so that we, we train them that they, they are mentally thought that they have to go to college 
for four years just to get a degree in something so you can compete out in the workplace. And now you got thirty to eighty thousand dollars in debt. Welcome to life. Yeah. You know, that's it's not healthy. Well, I think there's something to be said to the idea that like I think that American people like to see the fruits of their labor. Mm-hmm. You know, they I think American people in particular like to see something that they've made you know they love to build houses because then they can say i built this whole neighborhood you know i had hand in this whole neighborhood like building cars because they can say i ran the whole line of 2011 toyota trenders they all came out of my building Mm -hmm. i know that i installed the windshield on at least 30 percent of these cars because that's what i was doing on all these cars that whole time you you made the tiny little hand splint for that infant kid who if he continues to do whatever probably has a better shot at having a better life now because yeah. of your labor it's that you did people i and i i obviously have not traveled the globe so i can't make this as a definitive statement but i think in particular american people like to see the effect that they're having on the country they're living in mm-hmm. so when you're doing something putting up power lines cutting down trees to build neighborhoods whatever the fuck you know you're doing something that is actively affecting people around you even if you don't know them American people like that. That's yeah. what we strive on. And so to ignore that for tr- to ignore that in the form of the trades to try and push people into something that they they want because they want money but they don't want to do something they hate. They don't want to live in working in a building, you know, just pushing numbers and shit all the time. Most people, Most you know, people. or a lot of people, some people, whatever, however you want to classify it, you know. Mm-hmm. That's I would venture against like that most people. Shit, you know, yeah. they like to see the stuff that they've done. And if you're working numbers and you're never seeing anybody, you never get to see the fruits of that labor. You just know somewhere someone's getting money that I'm pushing through on a computer. Oh, you dude. Know? And I can tell you from personal experience that that is what keeps <clears throat> me doing the job that I do now. Taking a chunk of forested land that somebody has bought and two years later, I drive back there. And there are 60 people that have houses now, that have a life, that live there. That's – I like that. That's cool. That's the kind of stuff that is rewarding. Yeah. And it makes all the shit that you have to go through to get to that point worth it. And finding the balance of that is something that is lost on a lot of people because it's – a lot of times, depending on what job you're in, it's hard to see that end result. And you if know, you're really denied is. the opportunity to see that you love something like that or to see that you like to see the fruits of your labor because you've never been given that experience, mm-hmm. you're going to wander around for 30, 40 years hating what you're fucking doing until you are until you have the opportunity to discover what you love. You know, If we want the best for our kids as youth, why would we not provide them with the best opportunity possible – to figure out what they love so that they can follow that and chase it like we're telling them to do. Oh, yeah. You know? I don't understand why we wouldn't want that. It's because that's that's this whole time with pushing kids to college, making them pick a, a major in four years. And then yeah. if, you, if you've if you wasted the four years and the $60,000 picking something that doesn't behoove you in the end, you got your degree in communications or whatever the fuck, and then you decide to do something completely different, mm-hmm. you know? What was the point of that? You know? So instead of forcing them under the penalty of – the debt that they're going to have, 
you got to be in public school anyway. Let us help you figure out what you love, you mm-hmm. know? Let me incentivize you to take 10 different classes while you're here. So you've tried 10 different things and you can see what you love, you know? Yeah. Let me try and increase the possibility that you'll be able to leave here and have a path that you want to follow instead of fucking around for four years and saying, shit, I still don't know, but I got to pick something, you mm-hmm. know? Or else I've wasted this all this time in college. I got to pick something. Yep. It's and I think you could probably make an argument at that point about community college as it's thought of today, you know, is those aren't the greatest schools generally, you know, you're not going to have an attaboy degree from there. Right. That anybody's going to balk at, you know, it, going to UC Berkeley is much more prestigious than going to OC. Yeah. You know what I mean? No one's going to say, ooh, you got yeah. your associates at OC, well, huh? All right, all right. But I am very sympathetic. To the idea that a community college, you could call it 13th and 14th grade if you wanted to, that that should be something that, I mean, in societal norms now, right? In in our society, the degree of education required to take up any kind of technical job is, is far beyond that which you receive at a high school level. Yeah. The base level is not, you don't get there by the time you graduate high school. So I'm very much a proponent of having public community colleges that if you so choose to attend to go better your life and to learn a specific, more tailor-skilled um, degree, like an associate's level. I don't think you should go any higher than an associate's in a public level. But yeah. you could do that so you can get the coding skill that you are required to have to go build apps or to, you know, you can do automotive if you... You know, if you don't go the trade school route, you know, maybe there's an automotive school that you can go to to learn. There's all sorts of stuff like that now, too, but in the private sector. The cool thing about shit like that, especially having, like, automotive programs in high schools and in colleges, is that you can then service the community at, like, a discounted rate, you know? Like, it might take us a day or two longer, but it'll cost you less money because we got a bunch of kids in here doing it, and they're learning at the same time. You yeah. know, and kids, adults, whoever, students I'm a teacher, in here I'm learning. I'm a certified you know? mechanic. Exactly. You will have a certified product at the end, but it's going to take us a while, right? And because we're learning at the us. same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you pay you, my you, salary, <laughs> right? Exactly. You pay us a quarter of the rate. Something. And yeah. You you buy the parts. You know, that's mm-hmm. it. You pay for the parts, and we do all the labor for free. You know. College, yeah. baby, whatever fuck like that's the high schools do that all the time is you can bring your cars there. And especially if you are a kid who's taking that class and you have a car, change your oil, shit like that, because that's what you're taking that class for, you yeah. know? And that's yeah. stuff that everybody should know. Yeah. And it, and especially at like, um, West Sound, like you can go there and get your haircut by the cosmetology students, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like $10. Yeah. Like it's super fucking cheap because they're like, we're just going to do it, you know, and there's instructors there walking around helping people with complicated stuff. If you're just, you know, getting a men's cut, it's pretty easy, but yeah, it's like 10 bucks, you know, yeah. to go and get your haircut there. It's nothing. And so mm, it, but I got to travel. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, but that's the type of stuff that like that benefits everyone. You know, not only does it give these people better experience, they're not just cutting dummy hair all of the time. Yeah. It also benefits me that I don't have $20 to go and get a haircut, but I got $10 to go and get a haircut, you know? Perfect. Or if, or it's $5, however much it's going to cost, you know, that, yeah. I think there's a lot of benefit to those things that get overlooked because they're not overtly profitable when you're, Mm-hmm. 16 you yeah. know and it's and i'm just i am all for like things like school choice and private schools and charter schools and all this stuff but at the end of the day none of that stuff is really that important 
when you're trying to kind of examine, you know, the foundational level of education that we have, that we provide to our citizens for, you know, taxes. But for the most part, you don't think of going to school and having to hand over a check and saying, okay, now you're enrolled like you would at a college or something. It's yeah. it's publicly funded school systems. But if we're going to pay for these things, and oftentimes a shit ton of money, yeah, let's make sure that we're actually giving our, our, our children a, a education that will actually benefit them and then leave right. them at the door of success, not at the door of failure. Well, especially because I don't have any problem with the existence or even the prevalence of charter schools, private schools, mm. things like that. I'm fine with that. But I also feel very strongly that your your tax bracket should not dictate the quality of education you're able to receive. I don't no. think that because you don't have money, you should receive an, just a, an inherently lesser quality education because you have to go to public school. Yeah. I think that public schools should be Obviously not the exact same because if you're paying $60,000 for your kid to go to school, you know, to go to regular school and not college, mm-hmm. then there should be benefits to this that you will not receive in private school. Mm-hmm. But that shouldn't mean that there's – you're getting four times the quality of education, you know, because public school is such shit compared to this charter school. Like that's not – Well, in, in the realm you know, of like a free market ideal where a lot of people talk about that – you know the the necessity for private schools and charter schools where you al- allow competition to actually take place in the market of education but the problem is when the main main competitor the big dog on the door the google of you know of education is they let's just say they don't set the bar real fucking high yeah it doesn't mean it it sets the precedent that the alternative which I can charge a buttload for, doesn't necessarily have to be that great. It just needs to be better than the alternative. Yeah. And if we in the public sector decided to actually push for the highest standard of education that we societally deem is possible at the time for that level, we'd actually have a better competition. And you'd probably have a lot cheaper private schools that people could actually start to participate more if they so chose. Yeah. Now it's like if you have if you have a really shitty school and there's private schools all around it. I guarantee you if you have to go to that private school if you're in that private school it's probably because your parents can't afford to send you to the or if you're in the public school it's probably because your parents can't afford to send you to the private school because they want the best for you, you Yes. Know, but yeah. And I think to really address that you have to start at the very beginning and that's due to the fact that like the poorest schools are in the poorest neighborhoods because they're all all their funding is based off of property taxes. Right. Stop it. That's dumb. If we're trying to set an even playing field for everybody in let's just face it, you know, Either it doesn't matter where you grow up anymore. You, know? you can get a t- you can get a job anywhere in the country based off of whatever education you live. It's it is a freer time to travel and relocate than ever before, but nobody does it anymore because you don't necessarily have to. It's and it's cost prohibitive a lot of time. It, it costs is. a shitload of money to move to another state. Oh, it does. <clears throat> but I mean, if I got offered a uh, a six figure job to do what I do now, I'm gone. Yeah, not really because I would money at that point is not more important than the life I've established here. Right. But I, if I decided that, like, well, you know, I'm moving out. Peace. I would make it happen at some point. 
no matter the cost, because my life will be better off if I moved to Indiana to go take that fucking job for six figures. But, again, that's a personal choice at that point. It's not funded by necessity. So now that we've solved the educational problems of the country, I don't know how we got there. I don't know. I have to go pee. You pick a topic. Okay. Okay, we're going to get into 2020 then. Um, so the debate that happened on Wednesday, Friday, 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 Friday evening, the 21st, I believe, um, took place in Nevada and we have a, actually, no, I take it back. This must've been Wednesday or Thursday. What am I talking about here? Regardless, middle of the week. Um, it was set in Nevada. We did it at the Paris hotel, I believe in Las Vegas. Which um, is kind of odd to me, and we'll ask Don when he gets back about that whole concept of where we're hosting these debates. But um, the debates have been following so forth um, at the location of where we're at in the primaries. So a while back, we had a debate before the Iowa caucus. And then right after the debate, we had the actual Iowa caucus, which, if you all remembered, was a total and other shit show based off of failing technology and so on and so forth. Um, since then, we have had a we had a debate in New Hampshire um, right before the New Hampshire primary. New Hampshire doesn't do a caucus system. Um, and we've moved now to Nevada, where Nevada runs a caucus. And it is actually – the caucus is actually happening today, Saturday the 22nd. Um, as of right now, we are, let me refresh this so I can see where we're at. We're at only 3% of the precincts reporting. Um, so that's the numbers that are in are absolutely nowhere near representative of what the probable outcome is going to be. But as of right now with 3%, Bernie Sanders at 54.8%. Joe Biden is trailing at 18 and he is the secondary he's a secondary pick going on right now uh, followed by Elizabeth Warren and Pete Buttigieg just about 9% Tom Sawyer or Tom, Tom Steyer has fallen down from uh, down to 7.5% Amy Klobuchar 1.4% nobody going for Andrew Yang or anyone else after that Michael Bloomberg is not on the ticket in Nevada because he was such a late comer to the process but it's happening um so who's leading what's the right now three percent reporting bernie sanders at 54.8 percent damn but again super grain of salt only three percent yeah um other than that the debates did you watch the debate yesterday yes yeah, what did I you watched think it about the very first few Boy. minutes <clears throat> the first few minutes well elizabeth warren came out Hard. keep going yeah elizabeth warren came out Byron, like I think that I don't remember who got asked the first question, but who after they answered, um, Elizabeth Warren then said, "Well, I'd like to talk about who we're running against on this stage tonight," and then started to go after Mike Bloomberg and said, "I actually wrote it down. Um, someone on the stage who calls women fat broads and horse face lesbians." And then she said, "And I'm not talking about Donald Trump. She called him an arrogant billionaire um, and like several other things, directly attacking Mike Bloomberg, who he is, his character, um, and that kind of set the pace for." For the rest of the debate, that this was, n- this was unquestionably, yeah, the most 
personally aggressive debate that we have seen thus far between all of these people. Hard, yeah. Um, it was... It was pretty wild. And I think after, cause there was kind of some attacks on Mike Bloomberg just for a few minutes right in the beginning. Right. Like in it the kind beginning, of started yeah. this fury, the flurry. And I think the only thing I could really take away from it as a positive is that like, at least Michael Bloomberg made his own money. You know, mm-hmm. that a lot of the stuff, especially Donald Trump, it's like seed money and then blah, 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 and bankruptcy and all this shit. But like, at least Mike Bloomberg, like Tom Steyer, can be like, listen, I benefited from the system. You know, like I came out here and I hustled and I paid people and I now I have billions and billions of dollars, you know. And from what I understood this week, like Mike Bloomberg, when he was actively involved in running Bloomberg News and stuff, he was known for paying people very well. Like he wasn't yeah. fucking people over. He was overpaying for stories, overpaying for positions. People, yeah. It's lucrative. He's handing out cash. This is like, no Walmart. People are not getting fucked here. over. Yeah, he's yeah. paying good. Good money for people to be writing stories, freelance writing, staff positions. Like I've heard multiple hardcore conservatives say the same thing about him. Yeah. And that's paying stacks. And that's you can't let's just put it this way. I don't know why and I think the only reason Andrew Yang didn't take any of this heat while he was up on the stage in the past, because obviously he is out now. I think we mentioned that last time we were out. He suspended so. his campaign after uh New Hampshire. Yeah. After that debate, he fell flat on his face a couple times and just it was over from there. Um but yeah, why he never got beat up as, you know, the the rich businessman maybe because he's not a billionaire. But man, you cannot be a billionaire up on that stage. You are in em- enemy territory 100% and yeah. people going to be taking shots at you every chance they can. Well, and he's in like a double bad position because he was also the mayor of New York, you know, that he has mm-hmm. all these other policies that people can draw from. But usually yeah. it's just your policies they can attack you on, you know? And I think that that's part of why it turned out so personal is I think Mike Bloomberg knew that it was going to be like that, you know? And so he's like, fuck it, then I'm going to come out blasting. And that's why he's calling Bernie Sanders a communist and or a socialist, <laughs> you know, all this shit. And he's just throwing things around. Yep. And it's, it was haymakers all night, man. It was man. hard, bro. Yeah. Hour and 45 minutes of haymakers. It was like Bernie, Bloomberg, and Warren, and then Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar went back and forth and oh, back man. and forth and back and forth. Dirty. Um, and Joe Biden was really, like, was pretty quiet, I feel, for the most of the night. Like, he That's, didn't say that much, you know? Because he's, I think he's pretty much done. Yeah. He's, he's floundering. Elizabeth Warren, you fucking saw that shit last night. You tweeted it. Elizabeth Warren trying to trying to justify her acceptance of a super PAC support now because at the end of the day, if she wants to stay relevant, she (laughs) She needs the money. Yeah, and the same time she's up there talking shit about Pete Mayor Pete having some fucking taking some billionaires money. You know, it's you doing the same thing, sweetheart. You are the most disingenuous, backstabbing, two faced piece of crap. I have ever seen in the public sector. That I cannot and- get over my disdain for this woman. Yeah. It is really bad. Inauthentic when she starts in with her, oh, mom, pa, and daddy. No, you are a millionaire lady. Yeah. Who's done nothing but run the government for most of your adult life. Yeah. You like to talk about being a teacher, right? Well, we looked into that. We know how that turned out. You've been lying about that too. Right. And then you use your fucking. Cherokee blood 
to get into a law f- to a teaching position over at Stanford to teach law or Harvard to teach law. That yeah. you're not a fucking teacher. You're a part of the system. That yeah. is. That's the same story for countless politicians. That's all it is. You are a, such a fabricated bullshit lie. She's a show. She drives me insane. System. Yeah. The fuck, She's, dude. Nothing yeah. speaks more to what she truly is than that video of her getting off of that private jet, coming out of Iowa, so to she jump. can make it to New Hampshire, yep. hiding behind her staffers because there's cameras there. You are, oh. Yeah. It is. I don't care if you're taking a private jet, okay? But you can't run your campaign based on the fact that people that do that are terrible people. Yeah. Right. That and, the like you said, the justification of, well, I don't want to do it. But if this is how the game is going to be played, then this is how I have to play the game. Even though I don't think that it should be this way, you know? While Meanwhile, yeah. Bernie Sanders is over there like, what's that? Uh, still no super PAC support. Uh, yep. Still pulling all these <sighs> individual saying? donations. No big deal. Still no uh, big fundraisers. Still just all the YouTube ads anyone's ever seen in their whole fucking lives. I can't deal between with- between Bernie and Bloomberg on YouTube. The shit is out of hand. You know. I will say, I like Bernie Sanders's ads because it's usually just him. I am once again to the asking camera. you. <laughs> yeah, that's legit. I don't want some fucking yeah. bullshit hit piece that gets run and whatever. It's like. I don't like that. No. Mike, but Mike will get it done. Mike will get it done. Don't you know? Yeah. Mike will get it if done. you're throwing hundreds of millions of dollars. Can, okay. This is what I wanted to ask you about this whole thing, this entire time. Yeah, yeah. The validity of Michael Bloomberg's candidacy, right? Yes. This is something that has never once before in U.S. history been done. This is somebody that has got to where they're at sheerly through powers of Having enough money. Straight cash. A hundred percent advertising. It's not illegitimate when you think about it. Let's say these two things before we move on as far as advertising. Um, Mike Bloomberg, I think, is worth estimated $65 billion yeah. as far, you know. If I always just say he's worth about more 60, than $60 billion. Yeah, about $60 billion. Um, and as far as advertising, he has spent more money in this election cycle than Barack Obama spent in the entirety of his 2012 election campaign during the general election. Against it's, Mitt Romney. It's insane. Mitt Romney, right? Mitt it was Romney. in 2012? Yeah, I believe so. Word. Yeah, because Mitt Romney. It was, was either Mitt Romney or John McCain. So, <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, I think that at that time, the Mitt Romney was still – that was when him and McCain were vying for the top spot Word. to see who was going to get it. Word. So, And then they brought in Sarah Palin. Man. Poor, poor bad decisions. <clears throat> anyway. So, <laughs> so anyways, what do you think about this fact that the only reason Michael Bloomberg is relevant at all – it's because he's just shelled out stacks and stacks of cash to get on a TV screen, on a computer screen, over the radio to a possible constituent. So I think it's super weird. Obviously, right? it's very abnormal. But I think the one thing that saves him from being just another billionaire piece of shit is the fact that the money that's paying for these ads so far as we know is not dark money you know as they it's call just it. his money it's it's his money he's just spending his money he's yep. also spent his money even when he was a republican donated a fuckload of money for things that he believed in right he's oh, been yeah. very charitable for an extremely long time and there's no debating that it's and he will like he was saying when he was mayor he released his taxes for like 12 years in a row so you could see 
all of the yeah. money that he's fucked with. And they I tried don't... to get him on that during the debate. Yeah. And he said, it takes a long time. It's in process. It's, it's thousands of pages. And then I read an article a couple days, or this morning, I think, um, talking about how, yeah, no, we've confirmed that it's in the process and should be I out, don't, I think, by right. next month sometime. I don't see any reason to assume that he wouldn't release his tax returns. No. I don't He's not given any indication of that. I don't this know is a, why. This is a, a, uh, a fallout from the Trump. Yeah, you know, he has billions of dollars. That's good. That's going to take a long time to get all this shit that's relevant and yeah. not overly personal, you know? Can't be like doing that shit on TurboTax, like he said. That, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, that's not $65 billion is a lot of money. And when that much of it is invested in a business and stocks and bonds and donations oh, and just shit being everything. traded back and forth, you, there's a lot of paperwork that has to be tracked down, you know? So I don't. A lot of it has to be generated, and it's tax season. He may he maybe have like just he might be still doing his taxes, and that's what's taking yeah. so goddamn long. I still don't have one of the pieces of paper I need for my taxes. Yeah, because so, again, we're a smaller company, but there's enough money that flows through it. It takes a while for our accountant to do our taxes, so I right. get my little form, so then I can go get butt raped by the federal government. Yeah. So. The the <laughs> he's being attacked on this. Sorry, I saw you. I saw you like, like shit. <laughs> it's so passionate about being ass raped. Like, God, by the that's not what I meant. <laughs> but the he's being attacked for essentially not being on the ground for the last year like everyone else has, stumping, shaking a hand, which is true, babies. and he yeah. has not done that. But I don't. But he made the last debate stage. He and did. the debate stage. After they changed the rules. Uh, but the parameters are still dictated by the DNC. Everyone on the stage yep. has to meet the same guidelines. So there's no arguing that he hasn't earned his spot on the stage. Nope. He hasn't done it the same way that he did it to everyone else or that everyone else did it. Up until now. But he was there, you know, because he met those guidelines dictated by the DNC. So. Yep. I don't, I think that it's really weird. It seems counter to what the argument is for the Democratic Party in general. But mm-hmm. I think that so oh, yeah. many people are still talking about electability as like the main thing, even though that barely means anything. They're still so focused on it that I think if you calculate it using that type of model, a, an electability model, you know, that you just kind of make up in your head, yeah. it's who better to beat Donald Trump than the blue Donald Trump. And yeah. I said that to you earlier this week. You and know, he that, ain't even that blue, which is the truth. You know, the so, people, the things that people like about Donald Trump, or at least that got him there, is the untraditionality. You know, that yeah. he's a fucking bulldog. He's going to say stupid shit, and he's going to be like, whatever the fuck, I don't care. Or, you know, I'm just going to keep going. But there's a lot of people who like that. But he's an untraditional politician. Mm-hmm. But they also don't like how incredibly informal he is because he has no political experience. He has zero charisma. And I think that Mike Bloomberg, also very uncharismatic, right? At least to me, I did not think he was very charismatic. Dude, Um, up until he was about 45 to an hour into it, and I felt like he kind of loosened up. But But other than that, he was stiff. But you can see someone who has that same appeal that Donald Trump did, that he's an untraditional politician in a way that he has billions of dollars. Mm -hmm. So he's still been hustling. He's been doing this. People still attribute 
you know, those positive, like the tax cuts and stuff like that to, oh, well, he's a businessman. Of course he knows, you know, how to do this type of shit. They still attribute that to his being a businessman. Yeah. So that's still drawn from like, oh, well, he's running like a business for four years so far. Maybe we need a little more of that to keep with this, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. He's, he's putting China into shape and, you know, he's fucking on North Korea and, you know, all this and fuck Russia and all, you know, all the things that like a pro Trump person would say in regards to him being a businessman, you know, and those things that, can be yeah. applied in largely in large to Mike Bloomberg. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he was a mayor for 12 years or whatever. And so he has the experience, you know, uh, quote unquote, whatever, yeah. you know, he has run a large government before yeah. in an executive position that gives him way more experience than Donald Trump had, you know? So when you're looking at it, I think mm-hmm. when you're looking at it through the eyes of a Donald Trump voter who maybe doesn't really like Donald Trump very much anymore, you know, mm-hmm. see a lot of really similar things that maybe you were an Obama Trump voter because you wanted something different, but now you're like, he's a real piece of shit and I don't really want to vote for him again, you yep. know? So if you're looking for any type of viability, like a couple weeks ago or a couple episodes ago, we, we told people, Try and look for someone on the other side so that you have an option. You know, not because we're telling you to try and get rid of Donald Trump, but to give yourself an option, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think a lot of people are trying to do that. They're trying to find an out to voting for Donald Trump. But if they're presented with the option of Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump or Elizabeth Warren and Donald Trump, they're not going to vote for someone who wants to, they think, take their health care away and take their guns away and do all this shit that they're talking about doing. You know, and I, I understand, I, I don't buy into it, but I understand the appeal that Mike Bloomberg is getting in some of these polls. And one of them, like I said, he was 18% before the last debate nationally, not in New Hampshire, not in Nevada. He was pulling at 18% nationally. Nationally. That's a ridiculous percentage for someone who has been in one debate. And has had only TV commercials, no stump speeches, no rallies, no Mm -hmm. nothing. And if That's you can incredible. get there by just ads, you there's know, something else what is that? going on here. <laughs> and so I, I think, yeah. what do you think about the horse face lesbian line? Where did that come from? First of all, I'm not sure I if think that, that was when something that's passed. When you have 65 or- billion dollars, you say a lot of shit, you know. And I'm not like I don't. I don't give a fuck. I'm saying that you're gonna look in his past and find a whole bunch of unsavory stuff, the same way that you deal with Donald Trump. Because when you have a bunch of money and you don't think you're ever gonna run for president, you're gonna do a lot of stupid shit. Well, you I'm know? just saying, dude. You put a microphone on you 24 seven. It's Bad. I say some terrible Bad. shit all day long. You can find stuff that we did put on the internet. We oh, chose yeah. to put out that I still would be like, I probably shouldn't have said that, you know? <laughs> and I don't – people have asked me that before and I'm like, I can't attribute a- a- nothing. I can hardly tell you anything that I said in any of the episodes. Even Oh, yeah. Wednesday of next week, after this has been out for two days, like, shit, I don't what know what we the talk fuck about? we said. I don't know what we talked about last time we were here. Mm-mm. I what don't know. I would think we went, we talked about this last week, like when I do the pre-show on Sunday. I gotta go back and listen yeah, to the whole thing. No, we talked, we, we talked talk about so much that I just don't. I'm listening. I'm I'm thinking about. It, I'm paying attention, but I'm not logging what I've said. No. I don't. You know. I think I that's know what the, my opinions are, and I think that's the difference because most of the time, when you're in a conversation with somebody for a long period of time, you're not sitting there stewing about what you're gonna say. And no, you you're speaking out loud. You're you're thinking, and then those thoughts are coming out of your mouth. Yeah. And 
the practice over time is developing your thought process to be able to do that in a better fashion, to be able to communicate communicate more clearly, to not say something that you know you shouldn't say, whatever right. it is. But it's, at the end of the day, it's just people talking. But I was blown away because I didn't know where this horse face lesbian thing came from. Yeah, what's the verdict? I'm clicking on a link now. I'm not Jamie, bro. That dude's a wizard. He is a the goat. The internet goat. Yeah. I just learned what goat was. Didn't you tell me about that? You just learned what goat was? Yeah. How? Because I somebody had to explain it to me. Either oh. that or it was on a podcast where somebody was like, what does that even mean? Uh, and goat. Goat. It's the... I don't remember anymore. It's the greatest, being greatest of all time. There you go. So, Senator Elizabeth Warren blasted Mike Bloomberg for anti-LGBTQ and misogyny comments he allegedly made, including referring to a woman as a horse-faced lesbian. So, maybe this has to go all the way back to his um, his NDA stuff. Or he just says shit. Have like we seen a else. picture of this woman? <laughs> Is she a horse face lesbian? <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just we kidding. Be that doesn't matter. It doesn't no. matter. No. That's, but, oh, that's I don't like so I said, funny. I you could I had to go back on my Instagram and scrub it of shit that I said mm-hmm. of like saying the N-word and stuff like that. Of not like a hard R, you know, but like me and the niggas, like stuff like that that I don't <laughs> say like that this. now. Yeah, yeah. So I'm <laughs> saying, like, I don't say it now, but like but I've you know, when I was twenty yeah. and shit like that, I've didn't care. It's because we're I'm, everybody. If you didn't know this, when you yeah. were 20 years old, you Too were an idiot. Shit. That's that's just what it is, man. When I Until still, you're like 35 yeah. and you, you kind of have life semi kind of sort of figured out. Yeah. I don't want to hear any. I'm not judging you for ridiculous shit you said. Okay. Because I'll ask if do you believe that now? No. Okay, cool. Let's move on. Let's have a conversation. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about that. It doesn't make sense. <clears throat> There's too much context behind every little thing every person says. Everybody wants to be funny when they can. And a lot of times that leads to inappropriate shit being said. But nobody, you're not racist if you, in your past, made a racist joke. Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, that joke was racist. But I guarantee you, you wouldn't have said that to a friend of yours if he was black in the room. Or maybe you would have, and you guys had a great relationship, and he knows he wouldn't be offended by that. Who the fuck knows? Everything is so individualistic. You cannot judge somebody for something they write on Twitter, yeah. for what they've said in the past. You need to examine. Okay, let's look at that. You said that shit back then. Where are you at now? You're not there anymore? Moving on. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, I will say, it was just, it came out a fucking... The left wing, uh, the it came out of nowhere, and I was just, "What is she talking about? She's up there. Who's a horse face lesbian? Fat Did, broads and horse face lesbians. Fat broad. That's almost as good as a uh, dog face pony soldiers. What? The Joe Biden comment he made? Did you? Oh. <laughs> no. Yeah, he was at that? some like town hall or some meeting or something like that, and it was kind of like in a joking context with this college kind of reporter. What did he say? He kind of called her a uh, a dog-faced pony soldier a dog-faced pony soldier yeah was that it dog-faced pony soldier it was such a joe oh, biden thing to say <laughs> yeah dog-faced pony soldier i've seen the joe biden like insult bot you know like there's a twitter that is the joe biden insult bot have you seen that 
No. Oh, God, that's that. got to be hilarious. I'll pull that up and I'll read a couple of those. He's like a never-ending source of, of ad-libs, right? That's what the, the little funny joke things where you fill in the blanks when you were a kid and you got yeah. a funny joke. What is a dog-faced soldier? Dog-faced refers to a U.S. Army foot soldier serving in the infantry, especially in World War II. Dog-faced pony soldier. I'm sure that's just – it's like malarkey. It's something that Joe said when he was like in his 20s. Around the turn of the century, because he's like a billion years old, and there's no context for that in our modern world. It died with the internet. <laughs> yeah. You know, who says malarkey anymore? All right, are you ready for a couple of these? Oh, please. This is from the Joe Biden insult bot Twitter, right. at Biden insult bot. Um, <laughs> so good. <laughs> so, let's see here. Cramming in your nethers, you scone-eating tri-corner hat thief. <laughs> Enough of the Shanghai, you mutton munching grass gobbler. You're barking up the wrong sycamore, you sassafrasin son of a meatball. You're hitchhiking to Memphis without a bindle, you belly aching bowling pin. Um, go ambling some bramble, you sniveling penny farthing. Take a penny farthing. Take a ruby red look at this scone eating pants chaser. <laughs> <laughs> that one's awesome. I have to find out what a pants chaser is. Everybody in the neighborhood knows use a pork and beans eaten gobstopper. Oh my god. Go candy a yam, you iron deficient gopher gobbler. Keep it in your hat, you old two time and pigeon kisser. Pants chaser. Courtesy of Urban Dictionary, so this is gonna get wild. Pants chaser. Any woman, usually older, who chases after young men. Interesting. <sighs> I love Urban Dictionary. It is the greatest time. Oh, so um, there was the other thing about uh, Joe or Michael Bloomberg being? You just hitched your here. dinghy to the wrong riverboat, you butterfingered pigeon kisser. That's bestiality, bro. That's a go on, most get states. you double dutch milksop. Milksop, <laughs> stuff it in your gym jam, you little lily livered smash potato. <laughs> That's awesome. What am I, chicken liver? That was something that Bloomberg said, I think, during the debate. He's been, he was like trying to get a word in edgewise. What am I, chicken lilla? That's funny. Like, oh, bro. <laughs> so New York. What are you doing? Nobody knows what that is. He also, all right. So I only rolled on like four things when I was watching the debate last night. I was reading articles and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Bernie Sanders has been taking mad heat for. Bernie bros, right? Yes. For online Bernie bros and like how aggressive they are. I even sent you that video last week. That dude from, getting at the rally? From the Young Turks. No, no, the Young Turks talking oh, about yeah. Megan McCain, who was talking about the Bernie bros. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. The Young Turks has a lot to handle anyway. It the, is. The two things I brought from that is that Chank Uger thinks that he receives more online hate than anyone, than anyone else, which I, would i are victim hear me cry yeah i think that that's probably not true yeah um and then he always does this thing where he says like this isn't my logic this is their logic and then completely spins something around like turns it into something else which i just think is just a poor tactic you know and this guy's running to be a representative in california like he wants to be a federal representative of the government and he's not able to have any type of legitimate conversation or give credit to any ideas outside of his own which i think is very weird like why would you district a while back too why would you want to elect somebody who's like that who has 20 years or something like that of evidence of him being like that right at one point he's 
the the other host and experience talking about how at one point he's denying the armenian genocide you know but you're wanting to elect someone like this you think that you should be a representative for the federal government but you at one point were so blinded by your own faith that you were denying the mass murder of like a group of people and i don't but you think that you deserve to be the federal representative for whatever district you're running in. I don't understand that justification that no. if someone else on the other side of the aisle, he do- probably doesn't think that Steve King should even be a representative anymore. But I, I-, I just don't understand that. You know, mm-hmm. I don't understand why. Yeah, because at that point, like, yeah, because Steve King shouldn't be a representative. And I, right. And I agree. I'm not but saying I don't agree, but it, Steve like, King did the same thing on the right. Right. That Shank did on the left, and then mm. so you we got the pot calling the kettle black here. This it's the yeah. same thing. You're such a fucking hypocrite. Shut your mouth. Go back to you doing your terrible internet thing, and collect the rewards. You don't need to be involved in this conversation if you are as much a hypocrite as everyone else that you are bastardizing. Yeah, it does. But that's fucking the world we live in, which is sad. But um, you know. And so now there's theories that there are Russian hack bots that are posing as Bernie bros that are doing these verbal or internet assaults, you know, on people that are like doing all of these things. And I don't, I have no fucking idea, you know, because there are also no shortage of people in the United States and around the globe that will make 90 fucking Twitter accounts just to shit post for five minutes to get blocked and then make another one right after that, you know? And there's nothing to stop them from doing that because I don't think there's anything to limit you from how many accounts that you can have. You I don't know? think so. And so there's nothing that oh, there it is. would stop anyone from doing that. And I, I don't know. You know, I think that it's very interesting. Um And when they were having this conversation about, you know, the Bernie bros and everything like that, that – they were talking about how, well, at least we've never, you know, none of this has ever contributed to any violence. You know, you have yeah. all these people that are attacking and they're anti-Semitic and they're all of these things, you know, that are on the right. But the left has never done that, you know, mm-hmm. which we don't have and, Ilhan Omar. And, and I'm not Rashida trying Tlaib's to be like, and- oh, well, what about this? You know, but when you're talking about people committing mass murder and shootings and stuff like that, going to churches, I mean, the congressional baseball shooting, that guy was a far leftist. One of the shootings that was in Texas, like the guy in Walmart, I think that guy was a far leftist. Like, mm-hmm. and I, I'm not trying to compare and contrast like, oh, well, you know, each side has this many, but to ignore extremist violence on either side doesn't give full credence to that issue and I think takes away from the argument. You know, if you're not willing to understand and accept that there are extremists in in every group of people, then you can't have an honest conversation about Mm -hmm. this. And like I said, that's a guy that is trying to run to be a federal representative. You know, he wants to represent a group of people in the United States and he can't even begin to consider to give validity to another person's argument. And I don't think if that's healthy, it doesn't contribute. What kind of supporters is he going to attract? And are you going to be responsible for every single person who likes what you say and supports what you're all about? But he's there making the argument that he is the martyr. He's the one that's doing the right thing and that that's the way to be. There's no ego in that man. And I don't understand. He's a saint. You know, it's, (laughs) Very, very strange. And in to credits 
and to Bernie Sanders' credit, he did on the debate stage acknowledge that and, and you know essentially disavow all violence. He's done and, it you know, several if, times. If yeah. you are one of those people who are doing this, I disown you. I don't want your support. Right. We are more than that. And it, this article came out. Oh, of course, you don't throw a fucking date on it. it and it's important yesterday. to know this video. Because in this video, right, that was – the video the Young Turks did mm-hmm. was a video from – was a response to clips from The View of Megan McCain oh, yeah. talking to AOC about Bernie bros and acceptance and all this stuff. And Megan McCain said that she felt like Bernie Sanders should do more. So this response clip was probably – the middle of last week. So it was at least one day, if not two or three days after that episode of The View. So it's probably close to a week and a half old, this original piece, right, from The View. So it was definitely before this last debate. It was before the last seven stump speeches that he made, probably, in which every time he has disavowed these people. So I think if you asked Meghan McCain now, she might say that he has done – he's certainly done more. She can't say yeah. he hasn't done more and might say that he's done what he can do, you know, everything he can do. But they're taking shots by like – at the Young Turks like, oh, what? Bernie Sanders has to apologize every single day for anyone who supports him that does this shit. And it's like that's not what she said. She said no. that he thinks he should be doing it more. Yeah. That doesn't say one or a thousand times. Like – they're just so extreme at the Young Turks. Everything to the extreme. You know, yep. nothing is what it says. It all, everything means something else. It's always just symbolism. You know, it's a dog whistle. It's this. It's this. It really means this. What they're really saying is this. Mm-hmm. It's like conspiracies about everything. I you am know? so tired of this term called dog whistle. <laughs> it is the go-to excuse or go-to term that yeah. you – you label something a dog whistle when you feel in your subjective reality that that is actually talking about this, which is something deeply terrible or whatever the fuck. Um, uh, I will say, though, that there is something to be said about this, the, the makeup of the Bernie Sanders follower, the Bernie bros, if you will. Yeah. Um, and the Bernie Sanders campaign was actually briefed recently um by the u.s state department that russians have been trying to um we'll just say metal so far right they will not along with the trump campaign yes yeah and we and they will not tell you in which form they have done that but they they could tell there's something going on and i it would not surprise me that much like they did in the past and continue to do, they're just doing what they can to sow dissent right. or to Discord try to get and- more support for somebody like Bernie Sanders because they're hoping at the end of the day that the DNC will be like, well, no, we can't have a fucking socialist running for this. It's going to be Bloomberg because DNC rules and whatnot. And then by having all that extra support behind Bernie, DNC dropping out, they cause a lot of turmoil. They cause problems. It's well, and Russia's had- not trying to get any one person elected. They're no. trying to cause the most amount of interior interior turmoil right. they possibly can. Right. And it's the same shit from back in 2016. They've been doing it for a very fucking long time. Yeah. And to pretend differently is ignorant and malicious. Well, and we've had numerous um, intelligence officials and representatives testify oh, yeah. in front of Congress about how they did it, why they did it, and they've said just that, that it's 
uh, us having division in this country is what benefits Russia. No one trusting the system is what benefits Russia. So it benefits Russia in the 2020 election to have the most divisive candidates possible for either party. Donald Trump is already there. He's a lock for the Republican nomination. Oh, yeah. Their job is done, right? There's no caucus going down. They have to just keep trying to build support for him uh, while at the same time trying to get someone like a Bernie Sanders to be the candidate because – there's no better ticket for the Russians than Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, that None. is the most divisive ticket that possibly there is, you know, out coming out of 2020. Oh, yeah. So, well, let's it, put it this way. If Bernie Sanders was president, what do you think would happen if Russia annexed all of Ukraine? Yeah. Would we, would that start a war with Bernie Sanders in the chair? Probably not. It would, we, it would be all offended and sanctions and whatever. But there would be no real life pushback, and Ukraine would be part of Russia again, or something like that. So I could see they're kind of a win win on 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 both ends. And if they can add a ton of you know confusion and chaos while they're at it, yeah, why the fuck not? It's just a win win for them all the way. But nobody recognizes that that's happening, and it's incredibly disheartening because it's. I mean, you could see it. I saw this plain as day before the Mueller investigation and those hearings, before the Mueller investigation, talking about Russian interference. I mean, if you've looked at Russia's involvement in their stance on the United States since the fall of the Soviet Union, it has essentially been the same. Just so discourse, so problems, make it complicated, make you... If you can separate and divide Americans to fight amongst themselves, not necessarily even with bullets, but just in general on a societal level, you build that distrust. You're no longer something to talk about anymore. There's no right. you're you're worried about a lack of unification as a nation. You're not so much worried about the the outer world at that point. Yeah, maybe you got the president and the State Department trying to f- run some shit, but if the American public isn't behind it. And they just hate you anyways. Nothing looks good. I mean, it's a win-win for them every fucking time. And there is some conspiracies out there that Bernie Sanders would benefit from a Russian involvement. And he would he would welcome that because of his communist ties. And, you know, Putin wants to rebuild the Soviet Union. Bernie Sanders honeymooned in the Soviet Union at one point. So you could kind of take that very vague correlation and then you're like, oh, there it is. It totally makes sense. Well, and I don't think that – Fucking crazy. I don't think that Vladimir Putin wants to rebuild the Soviet Union the way that it existed no. as the Soviet no. Union. He you wants know? the empire of Russia back. Right, but he doesn't – he doesn't want socialism, you know, the way there was before. No. He wants a continued oligarchy in he which just he wants sits all at those the top. states yeah, yeah. back in the fold. Exactly. So I I think that that's only not that you're very correct. That that's is what totally I mean. yeah, yeah, that's what tie, I mean but when I say that about what I'm the saying, USSR. What I'm really getting at is that you're totally correct. People are saying that. Yeah. But you can when someone says that, you know, it only takes one step of investigation to be like, well, that doesn't make any fucking sense, no. you know? And so it when someone is talking about that, that's how much credence you can consider giving that argument because you're like, they're literally not even taking one step into this issue to try and find out or to no. try and connect anything because the moment you try, you're like, this makes no sense, yeah. you know? And because and, and the sad thing is it's not necessarily wrong. 
It's just the way you phrase it and the way you talk about it. It's like, yeah, he's trying to reform the Soviet Union. Well, kind of. I mean, yeah, he wants to right. bring all that shit back together. Well, it's a Russian what empire. Is the, what is the technical name of Russia? You know, is just like we are the United States of America. Right. They are the Russian Federation. Yeah. What are they? What's the Federation made up of? Yeah. I'll tell you exactly. It's made of things like the Balkan states and fucking Ukraine and <laughs> Poland. Yeah. And that's what he's talking about. That's yep. the Russian Federation. Crimea. That, yeah. Yeah. That does not exist anymore. It used to exist in the all-encompassing borders of the Soviet Union. But no, Putin is a capitalist. He's an, he's an oligarchic capitalist who just wants money and power. There's, you can't have all that money and all that power unless you have a capitalist system. Right. He's not going to change that. Did you giving away all their all your other oligarchs' money? Like, right, like, that ain't gonna fucking happen. It's like China. You know, China's never gonna get rid of that capitalistic part of their economy because it nope. makes so much fucking money. You yep. know, they're also never never get rid of the communistic part of their government because it's what allows people to stay in power and control yep. people's lives. How do you, you control know? all the money but, unless you have all the dictatorial control exactly. you can? So it's capitalism with a slight dictatorship problem. Yeah, you know, I mean. And on, I mean, I don't know. Was there anything else that really jumped out at you about the debates? Um, I mean, there's a lot of punches made. I will say that the the aggression and the fights between the candidates did not make sense to me in a political sense. Um, when you think of Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, they're fighting for the same voters, right? Yeah. Why are they so, so interested in fighting Bloomberg? Versus fighting each other for the voters that are not going to come from Bloomberg. You know, Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, I understand. They're both trying to vie for that moderate lane. Joe Biden's pretty much dead in the water. He is chopped liver at this point. Nobody almost really cares what he has to say unless you're of his demographic, which is still a lot of people. So there's still a voting block there. I think the only thing I can really think is that – all those pairs of people, um, you know, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders and Klobuchar and Buttigieg are trying to prove at the same time that they are the right candidate mm-hmm. and that the other person is not the right candidate, yeah. you know? And so not only am I going to try and tell you that if I'm Pete Buttigieg, that being a moderate is what you want. You want somebody who's moderate, but yeah. you want this type of moderate, not this type of moderate, because she's done all this shit or not done all this shit. Mm-hmm. And when you're I, I am a little bit confused about the Bernie Sanders Elizabeth Warren thing, right. um, which almost makes me think there might be some type of like deal that they have with whoever wins. You know, whoever has the most just gets the other person's delegates. I kind of think they might have made something a decision like that in the beginning, you know, because I mean, they can do that all they because want, when it's up to Tom Perez. But I'm saying when when Tom the con- Perez, when the convention comes, if everything is split up, right? If there's a contested convention, then there's yep. discussion between the candidates of who gets whose delegates. Mm-hmm. And if they've already made up their minds six months ago, nine months ago, 
we're both in this for the same thing, right? We have the same healthcare plan, essentially, and all the whatever. So whoever gets, whoever in the end has the most, we'll just ride out and give the other mm-hmm. one the delegates. Um, Be a Warren Sanders ticket <clears throat> or a Sanders Warren ticket. Right. In uh, Warren's mind, it has to be a Warren Sanders ticket because he's a man. But that's not possible. And the reason that I say that is because it was either it was on the debate stage when she Elizabeth Warren was talking about Michael Bloomberg that she said, you know, I'll support whoever the Democratic nominee is. Yes. But I don't think that it should be him, you know, which leads me to believe even though at the end, you know, not even though at the end she said the we should let the process play out. It shouldn't be just whoever has the most. We should let the process play out. I think which that's implies, worth talking about. Which implies if there is a contested convention, which is what the question was, right? Yep. That she would want there to be the and backdoor dealings and yep. whatnot that there is in and We're that still case. really early. We'll have a better idea after I think Super Tuesday. Yeah. But as of right now, we will we're looking at a brokered convention. We're looking at something that is contested. Um and it's I think this it says a lot. It was right before their their closing arguments, whatever you say it. Right. They were each asked if we get to the convention and it is a contested convention, should the delegates that have been awarded thusly already continue to hold as much weight as they have? And if you have one more candidate, one more delegate, then the next guy, you get the nomination or should you let whatever the rules are at the DNC for how all that stuff shakes yeah, out? How whatever you number let you that have work? to have. And at the end of the day, the only person who said no, if I believe, was Bernie Sanders. Yeah. And he says, no, whoever has the most delegates at the time of the convention, they're the person. Oh. He, I mean, he's a popular vote guy at that right. point. But again. He said as much during Iowa. Whoever in where yeah. I come from, whoever gets the most votes is who wins. So let's break it down this way. If you have one more percent over everyone else. So everyone else has 33.3. You have 33.4%. If that's the way the DNC does it, you've now systematically shut out two-thirds of the Democratic Party to decide who their nominee is. Just because there's so many fucking candidates. That's the danger of yeah. the popular vote. It's it's something that – I mean, it's right there for everybody to see. Everybody's so concerned about this brokered convention. Right. But at the same time, they're asking for a popular vote president. You're arguing against your own system here. Well, it doesn't make sense. The weird thing is that in a a lot of cases, especially in different state positions, is if there isn't like, uh, you know, if that threshold isn't met by someone who's running, then it goes to a runoff anyway, which is just a popular vote in the end anyway, whoever gets the most percent. So, damn, still only 3%. Weird. Think about it, though. Like, if you started at noon, our time, it's only been three hours and 45 minutes since since then. And you've already got 3% of people that have already completed the entire process and have reported in. There's two thousand, almost 2,000 precincts in Nevada. Yeah. And that was something when you went to the bathroom. What are your thoughts about having this? I, Nevada's a weird state, right? I have a friend of mine, actually, that lives in Nevada. Um, he lives in Reno. Is he caucusing? I think he is out of the country at, at this point. He's a oh, dude. This dude's so fucking cool. You would love this guy. Boom. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, 
Yeah, Jay Wags. You're, old, a, uh, you're a cool guy. Homie uh, met Jay him during Wags. Jake's uh, bachelor party time and all that stuff for the wedding and stuff. Yeah, instantly bonded. Me and him were like, I was like super tight with him at the end of it. Jay Wag. Jay Wag. Um, but I think, yeah, he's a big disc golf guy. And he travels internationally checking out all these professional diff- disc golf courses and shit. And it, Fuck. He's a wild dude. But anyways, um, Nevada's a weird state. You know, I mean, so we have the debates in Las Vegas. (laughs) Yeah. And then what's the other major populist center in Nevada? Reno? Reno. So you got two, you have two giant cities that run this entire state, more or less, the economic center of the state, but they're both gambling centers. What kind of democratic makeup do you think that really, how reflective of the overall democratic party is Democrats in Nevada? Yeah. It seems very strange, you know. Bernie had run-ins with the culinary union before he got there, um, and they're not supporting his Medicare for All program and shit like that. So because they have crazy ass good health insurance, I had listened to a podcast about it, and I was like, "I want it." Bitch said that she had open heart surgery and was in the hospital for two weeks and paid zero dollars. And I said, "What?" Yeah. So yeah, I paid zero dollars. The fuck. I had to tell the state I was poor to not have to pay for my kid in a fucking hospital. You got me <laughs> fucked up, bro. You got me fucked up. You just get shit for free? God no. damn. Well, I mean, that's the power of a a strong union. Can fight for things like that. Union at its core is a good thing. Can yeah. be a bad thing, but when they're not when they're bad for the private sector, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. But it's hard to compete. We talked about it, how hard it is just to hire employees and to maintain employees and just stay in business. And now you gotta go compete in the market against unions who pay their guys three times more than you can afford with Cadillac healthcare packages. Yep. It's a tough deal. Um, but yeah, it just, it struck me that it was such a weird place to be sitting there talking about socialism and all these kind of majorly radical ideas in a capitalistic hub of a state yeah. that is purely run by people with fucking money. Yeah. Gambling. Taking money from people at their most vulnerable time. People literally handing over money they don't have. What the fuck? Signing is that away all their about? houses and shit. Yeah, dude. I don't know how you can hold a democratic debate with the current narrative running through the party in a place like Las Vegas. Anyways, tangent over, I guess. I don't know. I'm really curious to see how this caucus works out. It's given the fact that it's only four hours into it and we're actually, we do have some results. Or step ahead of Iowa cool. already. Yeah. Um, but, you know, and Bloomberg's not on the ticket, so we won't have any justification of how his performance went and all this Unless stuff. Unless he gets written in. Unless he does get written in. That's a thing. As of right now. And I don't know if that's that popular in, in caucuses. Primaries is one thing, for sure. But this weird caucus system. Oh, right, because it's caucuses. So there's like, no write-in. Right, you're right, in a fucking no, gymnasium right. and you're all hanging around with groups right. of people. and there's then no ballots. Yeah. They're trying to like pull you over to their side. It's Because the early voting, for people who don't know, this is the first year Nevada did early voting. And they did it through voter preference cards. And so you put down, I think, your top three preferred candidates. And so if your first candidate doesn't have viability, then they go to your second preferred candidate. And that's oh, okay. who your vote goes to. And so they just keep running down the list until you're out of the... So if I was like Michael Bennett, Andrew Yang... And then Bernie Sanders. You would be a Bernie Sanders guy. Yeah. There so it is. you would just, your caucus vote would go to Bernie Sanders. I'm really wondering, I want to see 
the the map of these precincts right now with only three percent, and Bernie's pulling in fifty four percent. What districts are pulling those in? What's the demographic of well, that? Well, I wonder how system? much. I wonder how much of that is early voting. You it know, could be. I, don't, I don't know if they like instantly released all the early voting. You know, because yeah. they did it, or if that yesterday. if they hold that to right to attribute it. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Interesting. That's. I guess you can only do the early voting, yeah, in the smaller districts that are reporting already. Yeah. So, and if this doesn't illustrate the the conversation had behind kind of a federal voting federal voting law, because every state has they can run their shit any way they want. Yeah, just get numbers at the end of the day. So it's set up weird. It is. It's very strange. Um, you at some point this week. Reached out to me about the 1619 project, right? Um, you that brought that up? Yeah, because I was listening to an ad about it. Um, They're pushing it extra hard now. Yeah, it, it's on some kind of marketing flow. It's since it has. I've noticed the ads for 1619 have and been my, on my Twitter feed. Uh, my beef was the way that this ad was because I've not done much in the way of research about 1619, but I will before the next time that we're here. Maybe we'll talk to Denzel about it. There you go. Um, but. I just, the way that this ad was, was like people don't acknowledge, you know, how much slavery impacted the American economy and its foundation. It's not Mm -hmm. talked about in history books. And I don't think that that's the case. Like, I think that it's made pretty fucking clear in every history book that we're taught in that the South preferred slavery vastly for economic reasons, you know, like that is why they liked slaves was for economic reasons, not because they loved having black people to tell what to do. Most of the time it was because they didn't want to do their own fucking work or had a shitload of people already doing a forum. And they're like, I don't have to pay five times as much just to get all this work done. You know, that's like, People who preferred slavery was for that reason, not because they like. I said, not because they just like telling people what to do. You know, I mean, they like owning people. That's vast majority of the time. It's for for economic money. reasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, that was the engine. It was an economic engine that so that I don't did, helped build this country. I don't think there is an ignorance of the impact of slavery into the American economy during its foundation. Like, no. I don't think that that's the case. When you come here with slaves. There's no way to ignore the way that that impacts how much work you have to do and the output of productivity that comes from that. And in turn, the profit that comes from your lack of productivity in yourself, but instead of the slaves that you have. Like you're making more money, but doing less work because you own people to do it for you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no way to deny that. I don't think that that's disregarded. And I, I just don't agree. Like, I think that that's mm. bullshit, you know? Well, and to, to make the assumption that because ultimately that's that's how the colonies were built and set up and provided the grounds for, for which the, uh, you know, the American nation could could begin, that doesn't necessarily mean that America was – its true founding should have been 1619 when the, you know, when the first slaves were brought over here. That doesn't – make sense we have objective documentation that states when the nation started you can understand that yes slavery was a thing it came with the colonies because that's the way things worked at the time in a lot of different places 
and yes, colonies were kind of the Wild West. So even if slavery was illegal in the United Kingdom, back at home, when you came over here, or when you're Portugal, or when you're Spain, or when you're the Netherlands starting colonies over here, it's it was fucking do whatever you want to do, man. It was a like a year's trip yeah. by boat back home. <coughs> it didn't there's no it was a lawless fucking place that people just kind of came with their own kind of basic sets of rules and values and kind of just did what they did. But yeah. to assign blame to our current society for benefiting off the back of slavery, you, there's no denying that it happened and it was a thing. And we have done everything <clears throat> in our power up to this point to divorce ourselves from that disgusting practice that it had been a thing in human society for a lot longer than our country's been around. And still exists in some places, you know? Yeah. The rebirth of it in some places is scary. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it's... I mean, there's no getting around it, but, like, I'm well, not going to be blamed for that shit. And we talked about that, like, when we talked about when reparations was still a big conversation yeah. among candidates, you know? That's, like, you're talking about something that's not quantifiable. Like, you're asking mm. people to take credit or blame for something that you can't quantify you know that's just an unending list of blame and guilt that you're supposed to experience until we've decided that it's enough because it's arbitrary which and is that's not a healthy way to ask people to live their lives especially no. someone who if you're raised on food stamps and you've had to fight for everything that you've ever had to then be told that you only have this because of the color of your skin I, that's horrible. Mm -hmm. That's fucking horrible. You know, I just don't, I don't agree with that, you know, and I don't think that that's right at all. Yeah. Um, and I had told you before the show, but while I was kind of, I was starting to get back into the 1619 project again, because there is a, it's a collection of essays and podcasts and interviews and stuff like that, all about how, like what we just described. But there's been some pushback lately, and yeah. with the founding of the 1776 project, um, which I just discovered this morning um, via a Quillette article. Do you ever read Quillette's articles? No, they're very interesting. They're uh, they try to be as kind of centered and as objective as possible, but they have views from both sides. Words. That's really good. Um, I forget the the founder's name, Claire something, but she's been on uh, like Rogan's podcast or not. I don't think Rogan, maybe Rogan, but definitely like Ruben. She was on Ruben's show once. Um, I fuck, I heard some shit the other day, some chick that was on his show that I was like, "This is whack. This lady is crazy." I just sometimes his his guests are a little hit and miss. The guy that just got selected as the interim director of national intelligence was on Dave Rubin's show like two days before that happened. Wild. On Wednesday. I gotta, yeah. I gotta, what I was, was his name again? Rick Grinnell. Rick, oh, yeah. It was okay. literally the last guest that he had was on there like the day that he was selected, or at least that episode was posted like the day that he was selected. So it was probably the day before, maybe two days before. Yeah, see, sometimes he does like a week or two out. Yeah. So, either, so way, it could, yeah either way, but yeah, recently, that's wild. the guy who's now the acting director of national intelligence was on Dave Rubin's show. So in his house. Yeah. Two weeks ago at the most, you know, three weeks ago, maybe. Did you ever listen to the Ajit Pai episode? I did not. Because you remember Ajit Pai yeah, during yeah. net neutrality time. Yeah. Uh, 
I'll just say after that hour of being on Dave Rubin, I sympathize with Ajit Pai so much more. Yeah. He's a real fucking human. He's a super nerd. He is like the biggest dork. So like nerdy, but in that kind of like dad joke way, you know, it's, he's very, it humanized him a lot more to me. It suggests checking that one out. It's worth it. It's, he's funny. I don't agree with a lot of the way he kind of goes about things, but a lot of his thinking is I, I didn't give him enough credit yeah. when we were talking net neutrality before. He, he's got, I think his intentions are in the right place and he extrapolates talking about what it's going to be like in the space age and, um, you know, what's going on with the possible future of commercial space travel and, you know, cargo, you know, cause Tesla is basically a, they're a, a, a space Uber, but for cargo at this point, you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, that's, there's comp, there's, you know, a lot of complications to that about like what you're doing up there and what kind of environment you're creating. And is it, is it going to be sustainable for, for more commercial growth in the future? Should we start looking at rules and regulations now about how we want things to be up like that and how we can run things and how information sharing is going and space sharing? And it was, it's really interesting, yeah. but it is essentially, I'm going to have to check that episode out because I would like to know a little bit more about him and, these podcasts and stuff are a great way to, I mean, Joe Rogan with Tulsi Gabbard and Bernie Sanders and, you know, Andrew Yang being with uh, Eric Weinstein and like all these people getting to listen to these candidates who are trying to run for the highest office in the land and getting a glimpse at who they are and like really as a person. Yeah. You can only talk on a mic for so long without just going into whoever you are. Whatever facade you you are there to front only lasts so long, and then the real you comes out. Yeah, and it—I mean—it helped me humanize Bernie Sanders a lot. I still think he's one of the most dangerous people in American politics, but I understand where he's coming from, and I don't blame him for it. I just yeah. think he's wrong. But I—I I like that. I'm gonna have to check him out because that's a big. The chairman of the intelligence. Committee, is that what you said? Director, Director of National Intelligence. Director of National Intelligence. That's yes. a big job. He also I want to know as much about this guy as possible. Not has, just what you hear um, in the confirmation hearing. Oh, if there is one. There isn't going to be one because oh, he's acting. Um, oh, he also has zero intelligence experience at all. He's currently the ambassador to Germany. <laughs> and he asked for that job. Well, you know, he is, however, maybe he's a manager. He can manage shit. He is, however, the first openly gay man person to mm. serve in a cabinet position in United States history. So, and okay, let's look at this for a second. Because Donald, Donald Trump's Trump. got a lot of those things. Yeah, a lot of weird little accolades there. Where are my accolades? I want accolades. There you go. That's work harder. Okay, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> Hire gay people. And that's eventually one of them will be the first something. This is true. The first. Yeah. Whatever. Let's just hire. Let's hire only gay people. And then we'll be the first company that's exclusively employed by gay people, but straight owners. Interesting. I will say this. It's purely (laughs) anecdotal. Um. Because I haven't met, we'll say, that many gay people. But the gay people who I have met throughout my life 
are like the best people I know. So let's hire only gay people. I don't understand where all this hate comes from. I love gay people. We just, we won't, obviously we can't advertise only gays, you know, in our, in but our look at where job we live. openings. Wouldn't but, be hard to do. But we'll, you know, we'll interview some people and we'll be like, hey, so, you know, we're looking for like. No, we're not doing that. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, we're going to go to jail. I am intimately familiar with the hiring laws. There's no way around it. No. <laughs> I will tell you 100,000%. Carolina's home. And right, Yodi well, remembers. Gays only would be an easier way to go. It would be. We've decided that uh, when <laughs> we're a proper company, we're going to employ only gay people. And so we'll be the first company that is strictly employed by gays, but run by two straight men. And trans, obviously. Oh, higher trans people as Of well. course. We can't okay. be LGBTQ <laughs> well, For a second, exclusive. it sounded like you were saying we're, well, the company's run by two straight and trans men. And I was like, whoa. Like, hey, what's going it. on here? So You don't know me. I, Dude, I'm not going to judge. If you want to be trans, we'll get famous quicker. Okay. So, like, that's fine. Well, but. then, as of right now, I identify as a chihuahua. Ooh. I'm also a trans species. So, and not to belittle trans speciesism. You're a female chihuahua? (sighs) Sure. Why not? (laughs) And I, that's good thing your dogs are fixed. And unusual that I make a joke about that. But in. It's really wrong. In the ideology that's up on that debate stage, that is what you can do. Uh, We've seen it with the rapper Zuby. Did you follow Zuby at all? No. UK rapper, hip hop guy, he's, he's big into the free speech stuff. He identified as a woman for, I think, two or three weeks so that he could compete in the women's deadlifting championship where he was and he became champion because he identified as a woman to prove a point about trans athletics and whatnot. And, and then he stopped identifying as a woman? Yeah. Because you can do that. And you can get your accolades, and then you can walk away. And that is a problem that needs to be addressed. Not to say one's right or wrong or whatever the fuck, but we need to talk about it and figure this fuck out. Because there's people that are being disadvantaged by choices other people make. Yeah. Or not. Or not a choice. Or whatever the fuck. The reality of the goddamn world, Donovan. Or not. I'm not (laughs) fucking PC principal, bro. What? Exactly. <laughs> I recently got uh, one of my coworkers. PC principal's is, awesome, dude. PC principal's best. <laughs> uh, but I got what's one his of my wife's co-workers. name that he gets? What's that woman's name that he gets? Oh, um, um, principal, principal invincible, principal invincible. Yeah, is that what it is? Yeah, the woman. Okay, because she's like a super strong, you know. She, yeah, woman. she's super. Um, yeah, she's a super strong feminist. I'm pretty sure that it's principal invincible. Oh, I don't know. PC principals are. Principal's wife. Yeah. Because it's before he was principal, or maybe yeah. like he was vice principal or something. Maybe he's still the PE coach or the PE teacher. Yeah. And th- there's the, the episode where like that Randy Savage looking dude comes in yeah. identifying as a woman. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, God, what is her name? They have kids. Strong woman. Vice principal, strong woman. Oh. <laughs> Why did I think that? An, oh, Principal Invincible is the principal in Yoga Hosers. Yoga Hosers. That's 
what that's from. Uh, that is a Kevin Smith movie yes. that I have never seen. I hear it's good. Well, that's why you didn't know where it was from. It makes so, sense. That makes sense. Strong. I can never. Those yeah. are the Carolina's gonna be Smith yelling deep it from cuts. the other room, and I'm like, no, that's not it. <laughs> that's it. Fuck me, right? Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, the only things I really have for sports are. Drew Brees is going to play next year. He decided he's going to he's going to go for another year because okay. I think that he thinks that they can win the bowl. And we all remember Tom Brady still going to be here. Tom Brady. Uh, I actually heard that the Raiders are going to offer him a two year, sixty million dollar contract. So we'll see what comes of that. Next week is the he's Brett Favre, dude. I'm combine. Um, and so next week is the NFL Combine. So we'll see some <laughs> skills challenges and. So, they don't get you know. much of a break, do they? Well, this is the college players. College players okay. do the combine because this is all for the people that are going into the draft, you know. So okay, so it's combine, and then we'll have draft time, mm-hmm. and then it's moving into a preseason and shit. Yep. Oh god. I'm yep. Fun. There's a couple of weeks of training camp and stuff like that, and then we yeah we start to get into uh, you know. So assuming Tom Brady goes somewhere, yeah, other than the pads, yeah. I don't see this being any more than a repeat of Brett Favre. He's going to go someplace, he's going to play for maybe a year or two, and then he's out. He's not going to do anything overwhelming. I have a hard time believing that he's going to do exceptionally well learning a new system in a completely oh, yeah. different city with brand new players. Because that's the um, the part of the advantage to him being as, you know, getting him to being as good as he is. He's He is the foundation of that team. Yeah. And he always has him been. Him and Bill least, Belichick. Yeah. And so that is their system, and people conform to that. And if he's going to go somewhere else, he's going to have to adapt. You know, he can shift things into his his methodology in some fashion, I'm sure. But, you know, you have an existing system that new you are the new leadership that has to step in. That's Well, and it's still kind of yet to be decided whether the key to this whole thing is Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. You know, Bill Belichick, no doubt, they're both playing immense roles in what's Mm -hmm. going on, you know, but... The skill of Tom Brady cannot be denied, nor no. can the skill of Bill Belichick. So, unfortunately, um, yeah, we'll have to see, you know, if he goes somewhere. Cause that's still then, a big if too. Yes. Yeah, because not- the Patriots could offer him a shitload of money to mm-hmm. keep him there. Cause he doesn't want like top dollar, but he wants good cash. He wants to be paid what's fair. Mm-hmm. And he's not the number one quarterback in the league, but he's a really good quarterback when he's on his shit. Mm-hmm. So, but he you still know. has the options of performing like a number one. He could perform exceedingly well. No, Tom he's Brady, surrounded the by the right defense and right players, could win another ring. Mm-hmm. But that's a big if. You have to find the right system that he can learn. It probably would take two years. I don't see him going anywhere next year and then going straight to the bowl. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. That would be – he would absolutely – he would not that there's much question now, but he would be undoubtedly the greatest player of all time if he went to another team and year one went to the bowl and won it. Just trying to think. Like uh, 49ers, their new QB this year. Was he new Garoppolo. this year? Garoppolo. No, he he was, came in I think last this year, was right? His third year. Third year. Yeah. So even that, that took time. Or no, it's second. It's second year because he had played like eighteen games or some shit like that. So because he got hurt early in last season. That's right. That's right. Yeah, and then played pretty much this whole season, if not the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And fucking looked beautiful while he did it. Maybe thirty games he had done because he played some in New England too. Yeah, Yeah, I I think he's got a future if he continues to hold on to. Because what we're seeing now is it's up there. Pretty all right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's got a good system going on. 
So yeah, we'll see, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then Greg Olson, one year, yep. seven million to the Hawks, five and a half guaranteed. I think that's dope. I think that mm-hmm. multiple tight ends works really well in the system that we're running with all the running that we're doing. Um, to have multiple tight ends that can be out there blocking and then breaking off out for a quick pass just yep. in case that, yeah. Well, we've had we a hard so time with tight ends. Shit. You know, yes. filling that Injuries. position has been, has been tough. I mean, the, the big hope was when we got Jimmy Graham, he'd come in clutch like that. And but whether it was just the system or whatever. He just whatever. didn't like to block, bro. Yeah. And so he just didn't fit into our system at that point, really. Is that kind of probably what that was? Yeah, because he didn't want to block. You know, yeah. he caught the passes and shit well in the end zone because that's like what he did. But if he yeah. wasn't catching the ball, he didn't want to block. And so he just would do it. He's too big to be a wide receiver. Yeah. Right, and so it's like, yeah, you're a mountain of flesh, dude. You're gonna have to block. Get in the way. Yeah. You know, the old system with Drew Brees and shit like that, you didn't have to do that, but you, you got to now. Right. You know, we don't have an, a a massive O line. You got to do. Everybody's got to do their part. But yeah, it, it would be nice to give Russ some more options, you know. And that's, I think, where the Seahawks really do the best is when, because you can see Russ, he drops back and he looks. And he looks, and he looks, and he throws. He'd and like to, yeah, at the times that he throws. Yeah, when he can. Because they'd like to focus on the run, you know, yeah. what they're doing. But. And he looks for people, man. And if, if we can create more opportunities for that, we can get more of that, that long bomb game. We can get back into the passing game that won us the fucking Super Bowl. But there's a lot of that moving parts too, for that. To rebuild that defense if we're going to fucking <sighs> I know. get back to a bowl. I think we need to look at leadership on that one. Who's the defensive coordinator? How long have they been around? You know who that is? The defensive coordinator. I don't know. I can look it up. I, I do got know who the defensive coordinator is, just not right on my in your in your direct knowledge. Yeah. Seahawks defense coordinator. That's CPP. There we go. Coordinator. Oh shit. So Kent Northton Jr. Ken Norton Jr. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. Yep. Look at that. Look at that uniform he's wearing. What a studly young man. <coughs> but yeah. it's that, uh, you know, we play a lot of like zone defense and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it, I feel like that is our weakest. All we're doing is slowing the drive down. Yeah. But there is a drive whenever when we, we got, do that. If when, we're playing against a passing team. When we had Quandre Diggs, like when he came in this year, that was um, an immense improvement in the coverage game out in the backfield and or in the secondary and so as long as he can stay healthy and if we can get another great safety on the other side to play opposite him sign Shaquille Griffin and then try and find another better corner because fucking this mixing you know of like Deshaun Shed and shit is just not yeah we're trying new things obviously I'm just I'm done yeah. With any of that shit. So we need to find us a another great fucking corner on the outside and then get another safety and we'll be in a real good mm-hmm. position, you know? Uh, well and those corners, right? They're they're responsible for covering the wide receivers. Yeah. That's there's a lot of great, great wide receivers out there, man. That is especially gonna be the a NFC. hard position to fill. Yeah, especially in the NFC, you know, when you're thinking about the 49ers the Rams. Look at me talking like I know what I'm talking about. This is great. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, that's not a, and then the Cardinals, you know, mm-hmm. that's, those are all teams that have 
prolific passing games. And that's oh, yeah. shit that's vital. The safeties in the corners are going to be vital because the defensive line that we have now, given enough time, will get something done. There are mm-hmm. playmakers there. Ziggy Ansah, Javian yeah. Clowney needs to be re-signed. You know, if we can have him, Puna Ford is there in the middle. I mean, we have enough players on that defensive line that are good enough that given enough time from the outside and the secondary, they'll get through and they'll get it done. But they're not as a whole like an elite defensive line, you know? Like we used do to it. be. Yeah, they can do it. They just need a little bit more time. You That's got to be hard because I think when we, you know, when the, I want to say bomb squad, no, the fucking Legion of Boom. Legion of Boom. Was at its finest. I mean, that was the gold standard. That was an elite Number force. one. Yep. And it's hard to go away from that because there's such a gap between number one and, like, mediocre. Yeah. It's a massive gap. One in 15 is a big difference, you know. <sighs> yeah. Yes, it is. Damn. Yeah. Word. Yep. So, that is all I have for sports this week. Um, I want to say again that Denzel obviously will be on this next episode, and so we'll just be pimping the shit out of that mm-hmm. um, until Denzel. And we have our first live podcast on March 20th at Divine so Wines. much fun. Is it Divine Wine? Divine Wine? What divine. Is divine in, like, Wine. The Divine. Right, but I, I, is there any S's involved in the name at all? Might be Divine Wines. Divine Wines. If there is. Okay. But it might just be Divine Wine. So, whatever the name is. <laughs> We've said uh, it like eight times it's now. It's one of these things. And, um... That's we'll, what we'll be. Yeah, we'll so be shooting come it down out on our Facebook for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know. So come down there on the twentieth and see us and talk to us and buy a t-shirt and buy some wines or some beers, delicious little snack tizers and oh, shit. Yeah. There, I had a fucking flatbread pizza with the. It's a great spot, man. Yeah, all the it's stuff great on spot. there. The fig jam and the goat cheese and the prosciutto. That yeah, shit look was at you. fire. Pinky out. Yeah, fancy, bro. And you then, go down there, you sip on some wine or beer because they have a- beers. They got a couple of taps there. Yeah. Yeah, they have some good – they always carry nice local beers. And yeah. then there's always, I think, one or two ciders they have mm-hmm. somewhere, even if it's in the Some bottle. mead. Yeah, they have mead. Jordan they got all sorts of stuff, man. And yeah. it's a great little snacky food. It's a great environment. All the employees are fantastic. The owner's amazing. Everybody's super great. And we're, I mean, part of this, I'm not going to lie, is just as much for them as it is for us. I mean, yeah. it feels bigger for us because it's a live show. But, I mean – Anything to bring more people down there. And Hell just, yeah. You know, we're supporting the local business. Mutually beneficial. Talking to the community. And uh, maybe we'll get that lone Trump supporter that was standing out on the street to come down and talk maybe. with uh, the the people that we interacted with down at the town hall that were all about the Green New Deal. She will be cordial. Just so you know, don't be afraid to come down and share your opinion. We will not let anyone be... Any type of anything for their no. opinion, you know. It's no. we're not going to make fun of you. We're not going to let other people make fun of you. We're not going to let people shit talk you or shout you down or yell at you because they don't mm-hmm. like your opinion. That's this show and this live event is about people being able to express their opinions and have a conversation that is not hindered or inhibited by so much division that we can't hear you out because you're a human being, you know. It's, this is about understanding the people around us and why they feel the way that they feel. And we're not going to exclude anyone from that as long as you're able to present a coherent argument. You know, yep. that's, yeah. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. Even if I don't support your position and you would like to try to argue that better, 
I mean, I will give you some points that are legitimate because even the even the policies that I don't agree with have legitimate points that are under argued <clears throat> that deserve more Always. argumentation. <clears throat> that's that's what we're all about here, man. We're all about conversation and hearing ideas out and talking about <clears throat> those ideas, even if we don't necessarily agree with them. Because how are we going to find the answer if we don't figure it out? Yeah. There's only one way to figure it out, and that's to have a conversation. So come on down and join us March 20th. Divine Wine, we'll be there. You'll see it on our Facebook. So follow yeah. us on Facebook, at Salt of the Streets, all the good stuff. Instagram, at Salt of the Straits. Salt of the Straits. Yeah, there you Salt go. Salt of the Straits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think uh, that'll do it for this week. We'll... Uh, so if we don't see you till then, we got Denzel coming up next week, like you said. Uh, and two weeks from now, it'll be March 7th that yes. Denzel will be here for the live show, and that episode will come out March 9th in the evening, and you'll probably see it on the 10th. Anyway, boom. March 7th is also my sister's birthday, just in case. Hmm. Um, well, not just in Raven? case, but just so you know. Yep. Well, happy future so, birthday, Raven. Um, with that, you know, you do all kinds of stuff in your life. You own part of this company, you know, and just so you know, like, I'm the guy that you come to when you want to perjure yourself to protect an Australian mining consortium. <laughs> so, just in case, you know, you ever find yourself in that position. Hey, man. Solar batteries need mining. 